Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Start my mission, leave my residence, thinking how could I get some dead presidents? I need money. I used to be a stick-up kid, so I think of all the devious things I did. I used to roll up. This is a hole-up. Ain't nothing funny. Stop smiling. We still don't nothing move but the money. But now I learn to earn because I'm righteous. I feel great, so maybe I might just search for Oh, Eric B. Rocky. Let me tell you, we're back live and local. I heard uh, our owner-operator in that promo, John Katsimatidis. Great interviews earlier today. By the way, he will be hosting the morning show uh, starting at 6 with uh, Andrew Giuliani. I guess Sid Rosenberg, uh, like so many others, has decided he needs a mental health break from selling all of his books. Uh, Sid Citizen uh, Nation or whatever the hell it is. Anyway, uh, I don't take vacations, ladies and gentlemen. How can you take a vacation when you're watching your city in front of you fall apart? This city that we all love. That we thought had been resurrected. When Mike Kumbadichi, Trudy Giuliani, got elected a second time after battling David Dinkins the first time, barely losing in 88, coming back to barely win in 92, getting sworn in in 93, with Andrew Giuliani climbing all over him on the podium at City Hall. I know I was there. And then to see the miraculous, incredible revival of the city like Lazarus from the dead. From the days of David Dinkins' mentor to Eric Adams, the swagger man who clearly has no plan, 2,000 dead, 5,000 shot unresolved, to then suddenly, within eight years, as Rudy as mayor, giving the city a badly needed colonic, we were the safest big city in America. It happened before, and it can happen again. Unfortunately, it's going to have to get far worse, believe it or not, before it even stands a chance of getting better. So as we cruise on to 11 o'clock, in which I'm going to give you a rip and read, and feel free to give us a call at 1-800-848-9222. These are call-driven segments all weekend long, where WABC, the acronym always seems to stand for always broadcasting, Curtis. I don't interview guests. I leave it to the others. That's not my thing. My thing is to talk to all of you because I go pearl diving. That's right. My father used to say, Chester used to say, hey, your job is you clean the bathroom and the toilet. Dad, I don't want to clean the toilet. He said, think of it like pearl diving, right? Hey, actually, that was theater of the mind, pearl diving. I need my music here. Come on here, Matt Blaze. No doubt an alias with all these, uh, got to be a fugitive from law. You know, this is not Frank Morano, the other side of midnight. This is Curtis Lee prime time. And I need the flow. I need the beats because I got this city underneath my nails. You cut my veins and arteries, I bleed New York City. And I have in the streets of New York and in the subways and parks in New York. 
in many, many different ways. I know where all the bones are buried and who buried them. And I'm going to break it down for you what has happened after nine months where the swagger man, Eric Adams, many of you voted for, don't lie to me, because if you had voted for me, I would have been mayor of the city of New York. You think this Mishigash would be taking place? Summer 2022 crime surge in every major category. That's the headlines of Monday's papers. In every major category. Now, let me ask. Uh, look at this guy. Yeah, what, are you laughing at us crackers, huh? Yeah, yeah, you got over on us like fat rats. You're laughing. Hey, shut up. I'm going to break it down to you what a miserable job you've done, back-to-back, belly-to-belly, with comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor of the dope from Park Slope, who single-handedly destroyed the city that we love. Now he's on a fellowship to Harvard and Cambridge. Stay there. Don't come back like a zombie. But then again, Eric Adams, right? He's like de Blasio 2.0. When you look at these stats, man, they're devastating, ladies and gentlemen. He's worse than de Blasio. Worse than de Blasio. Who in their right mind would have ever thought that Eric Adams, former police officer, a.k.a. House Mouse, I told you that during the campaign, this guy never left the precinct. This guy never made arrests. He never busted his shoes. He was a house mouse. Oh, Curtis, you don't know. He was a police officer for 22 years. He served in the corrupt state senate in Albany. He he served as the Brooklyn Borough president cutting blue ribbons. What else does a borough president do? I know. I personally knew one. <laughs> Psych! And now you also, oh, man. Guy, man, you technology on us. No. Is that you bought it. You are guilty of idolatry. You put him on a pedestal like you did Barack Obama. Remember how they gave Barack Obama a Nobel Peace Prize before he was even president of the United States? Before he did anything. He did Ugats. He did Bupkis. Hey, where's my music, man? Matt Blaze. No, man, I, this ain't Frank Morano here, man. Don't play me like that, man. I'm pro style. I'm not JV. You're not playing Rudy Valley, brother, can you spare a dime? Or Al Jolson, mommy, mommy. No, no, that's Frank Morano style. This is Curtis Sliwa style, and we roll. Now, you got to figure it out, Matt Blaze. Are you going to roll with me? Ken, the Ken doll. Oh, my God. No Mensa expert, that's for sure. And Alex, oh, the producer of the Frank Morano show with the brown nose. He's got his schnoz way up to talk us to Frank Morano, who, guess what? He won't be here for the overnight, the other side of midnight. Because he got $6,000 in some kind of scam, and he snored free rooms, and obviously free buffet, lots of bacon, got an au pair for Carmine, who's now 40 pounds. His wife, Rachel, is able to shop till she drops. And Frank Morano right now is losing his shirt, shooting craps at the Borgata. And some of you suckers have actually followed in his footsteps to lose money at the Borgata. Borgata. My God, we're going to get into that from 1 to 5 in the other side of midnight. As once again, I substitute for that gold brick, that slacker. What is that, three vacations in two months? What is this around here? And then I got this guy substituting for Bill O'Reilly last week, a junior high school broadcast. He's talking about, oh, you know why there's so much depression in America? Oh, it's Darwin. It's evolution. What the hell is he talking about? And back-to-back, belly-to-belly. What an insult to talk radio, the number one news talk station in the nation. 
He, he's talking about mothers eating their babies. This is during the lunch hour. Where do we find these people? Uh, talk radio show host and hostess is so insecure that they have to find meaningless people to substitute for them. No, no, no. There's never any best of with Curtis Lewa. It's always a prime time live and local show. You get it 24-7-365. Oh, best of. That's really worst stuff. I heard that all weekend long. Oh, the best of. Yeah. Hey, it was bad the first time. Now I got to hear it a second time. I'm going to impale myself. You think I'm listening a second time? I'm turning the dial. How did we get back to become number one? Number one news talk station in the nation because everyone collectively worked together. This is Labor Day. It means work. Not growing barnacles on your backside. We got to really double down. Oh, I got a vacation. Oh, I need a mental health. Oh, oh, I'm t- uh-uh. I got a double hernia selling my books. I've heard every freaking excuse in the world. No, your job is radio. Get your ass here in the studio and do live and local radio. Or go out and get a job hanging wallpaper. That's a real job. That's a tough job. Or go out and get a job in which you get, you get calluses on your hands, not your tuchus. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, I need a little more Eric uh, B. Rakim, man. I can see, man. You're like, you're like a dollar short and a day late here, Matt Blaze. This ain't Frank Morano, man. You got to fly. This is pro style. So let me run through this. Every conceivable statistic is up by 40%. And if you happen to have a catalytic converter... Hey, don't close your eyes for two minutes because the thugs and thugettes are going to crawl under the undercarriage and steal it in two minutes in the Bronx, in Brooklyn, in Queens, in Staten Island, in Manhattan, in throughout the tri-state area. They're everywhere. In the meantime, what are the police able to do? Nothing. They're being told you're reactive, not proactive. Are they doing traffic stops? No. Are they doing stop and frisk? No. Where's the billy clubs, right? Where's the... Where's the nightsticks that the cops used to have? You knew when they took that nightstick out, I'll call it for purposes of description, Ken, so maybe you'll get it since you're a fashionista on the runway, out of their cummerbund. Yeah, you actually probably think cops wear a cummerbund. But when they would take their nightstick out, man, you knew they meant business. Next thing, you were going to get a wooden shampoo, be sucking concrete, or get a concrete facial, huh? No, 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 no more of that. Our number's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So let's go through the litany, the panoply of all the crimes against society that have just occurred. Let's say within the last 72 hours. Maybe the most egregious occurred to a couple from New Jersey. They happened to be on the Williamsburg Bridge. Probably knew some hipsters and millennials that were paying outrageous rents in Williamsburg, or as they've come to call it, the Burr. The men and women who have moved here, migrated here from Iowa, where there are more pigs than people, from Idaho, where there are more potatoes than people. 
They pay three times the normal rent because then they get to say, I live in the Berg. I live in the Berg. Well, they were probably visiting somebody in the Berg, and it was 11 o'clock last night, and they were on the Williamsburg Bridge coming into Manhattan, and as they're driving over the bridge, pow, 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 pow. And guess what? The wife was on the passenger side. She got shot. They had a four-year-old child in the back. The bullet tears through the car. Thankfully, she's okay. She's resting. And you know what Daddy said? Daddy said, oh, my God. It's crazy what's going on out there. It's a war zone in New York City. We're not coming back. What you going to do about that, Eric Adams? Swagger man with no plan. Missing in action, Police Commissioner Sue Well, who will be having her retirement papers put in on October. She'll be out of here January 1st. Who is up there in Saratoga with the PBA and Pat Lynch? Were they congregating? Were they talking and breaking all the new NYPD rules? Of course they were, and they were half in the bag. And they were claiming that Sue Well, the police chief, oh, she better than Bratton, better than Ray Kelly. Oh, she's the best, not like the rest. In the meantime, on the Jumbotron, you saw Eric Adams swagger man with no plan there did he give that speech where he was calling all those white pba delegates crackers of course not but anyway they would say oh yeah 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 we have a much better relationship with city hall than we did with de blasio and his lapdog dermot shea let me tell you something the stats indicate it's worse now than it was before did you see what happened in the upper east side if you happen to be off 92nd and 2nd, and I know many of you, you've already moved to the Hamptons. you moved to Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Texas, Tennessee, and parts unknown. You would have thought that they were filming, what can we call it? Oh, one of the great chase scenes of all time, the French Connection. You would have thought it was the second making of the French Connection on the Upper East Side. Cars going up and down the wrong way, crashing into one another, guns out. Where were the cops? Nowhere. You know, just blocks from Gracie Mansion. Oh, that's right. The mayor's never at Gracie Mansion. He stays at Trump Tower. That's right, the 90 stories. Do you happen to know that, Matt Blaze? How would I know? Because, hey, man, I tell the guy, right? He goes in and out of Trump Tower there, crossing the United Nations, because his uh, friends there, those crooks, those gunners, uh, you know, the ones who uh, went to jail for all kinds of corruption, that he goes to the restaurant every night at 9 o'clock at 52nd Street on the west side. They have a condo there. Not in their name because they couldn't qualify because they're felons. By the way, he keeps hanging out with these guys. Uh, if he were a cop again, a house mouse for 22 years, and he was hanging out with known felons and accepting free meals, according to the Knapp Commission. That's right, I remember the hearings with Serpico, remember, and Sergeant Dirk. He'd be fired. He'd have to turn in his badge and his gun, and that would be it. No pension. But he's the mayor. He can hang with uh, not just accused felons, but convicted felons. Because it's always in New York City, whether Democrats or Republicans, do as I say, not as I do. Right? There's always a double standard in full effect. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Oh, my God. 20 Gs was stolen. All of a sudden, a Mercedes was ramming a Toyota as they were running up and down 2nd Avenue, 91st Street, until eventually the 55-year-old guy who was driving the Toyota got boxed into traffic at about 4.30 yesterday. And then that Mercedes, the Benz, just crashed in 
to his Toyota, and he couldn't go anywhere. The guy gets out and pistol whips him right there. I mean, in front of everybody. He's got the pistol. Bam, 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 bam. He puts his hand in the car after breaking the window and snatches a satchel. Well, they... The driver of the Toyota claimed he had $20,000 in bling-bling in the car. You know it was probably somewhere near around that. I want to know where he got the bling-bling. And you better believe that these two guys knew one another. So they're having a shootout in the Upper East Side right before 5 o'clock, right before people go to their exclusive Upper East Side restaurants. Past the Grey Pool Palm, please. Oh, my God. Is that a movie scene? Are those real bullets being fired? Oh, my God, we better go inside because those cars are driving on the sidewalk. Call 911. They ain't coming. Cops ain't coming. Hey, I mean, how can a cop come? They've been rendered impotent. I mean, the police commissioner and the mayor and the city council and the judges and the DAs and the supermajority of the assembly led by Hasty and Stewart in the state senate and naturally crime wave Kathy Holcomb, they've made it impossible to be a cop. So you know what? I'm sure they got the 911 call at the 19th precinct and flipped the bird. <laughs> flipped everybody the bird and said, F you. Hey, Pat Lynch, you're drunk up there in Saratoga with uh, Police Commissioner Sewell talking about what a great commissioner she is. You're able to congregate. You're able to talk with the other cops up there, the PBA delegates. What about us? We're told you can't respond. You can't talk. You can't look at your phone. You can't talk in your phone. You know what? Why not be a wooden Indian? We'll take the cops outside the precincts. Remember, you'd have a wooden Indian outside of a smoke shop. And just stand there. And just stand there. And maybe we'll put some cigars in there, you know. I mean, this is crazy, and we're paying for all of this. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, we continue here. Let's go to uh, Queens. $60,000 in pricey phones stolen out of an AT&T store on Roosevelt Avenue, 59th Street. Woodside, Woodside. Hey, Irish, huh? You come out of your gin mills? Did you see them going in there? Three guys? Oh, they don't call them black. But you know they were black, right? They had the black hoodies on. They had the black mask. They were jamming all those phones in their satchel, and then they did the bird. And you know what? They got on the number seven chain. They were low-budget thugs. And they got away because there are no cops on the subways. Wait, wait, wait. We got to continue here. You remember that guy, the Vietnamese guy up at the restaurant on the Grand Concourse who actually was security, uh, put on that lead line glove and then hit that guy Cruz and knocked him to the ground. The poor guy escaped, escaped being killed. It's going to be a long recovery from him. And then all of a sudden, this Bronx guy who was living in a nearby shelter, although he was hired to do security there. You haven't heard that part of the story. He went before a judge in Bronx Criminal Court, 161st Street, and between Darcel, opened up the jail cells in the Bronx, Clark, a turnum loose DA worse than Alvin Bragg in Manhattan, and a judge, he was returned to the streets. And then crime wave Kathy Holcomb, the governor, had to say, oh, no, no, clip him, because he was on lifetime parole for sexually assaulting a teenager. Now, these are all college graduates, a graduate degree, some of them PhDs. We were always told that they're smarter than us. They're intellectually stupid. And because of them, many of you are putting the for sale signs up, you're packing your bags, and you've joined the exodus to Freedom Land, Florida. 
Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And even at the New York State Fair. The New York State Fair outside of Syracuse. This just, this says it all about Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb. People are overdosing on fentanyl all over the New York State Fair. Now, you don't just get to walk into the New York State Fair. you got to pay to get in. So they pay to get in, and then all of a sudden they come up to Matt Blaze and they say, yo, guy, can I borrow your belt for a second? He's you're my belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just needed to go into the bathroom. Next thing you know, they're putting a spike in their arm like Keith Richards or the Rolling Stones, and they're ODing on fentanyl. So all the police, all the state police, uh, the gang crime task force, the narcotics team, they're rolling around on ATVs, all-terrain vehicles. They're in helicopters, and you know what they're armed with? Not guns, Narcan. Narcan. You can't even have a state fair without people shooting up drugs in New York State. What do you tell your kids and your grandchildren as you're giving them cotton candy and ice cream? Ooh, Grandpa, what is that man over there? He's got a spike in his arm, and he's vomiting. And uh, what's that other man doing by putting his mouth on there and trying? What is he doing? You don't want to know. The hell. You need to see that at a state fair? What happened to leave it to Beaverland? Father knows best, little house on the prairie. Hey, wait, that's oh, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Where's uh, Eric Adams, the swagger man with no play? Oh, we're getting ready for Juve. Oh, that's going to be a lot of fun overnight. We'll, we'll get to that later on. A celebration, they call it. That's like going to dance hall reggae where they pop their two leaves out. They shoot it in the air like they just don't care. Flags up. Flags up. Time to dagger the women. Now, I know many of you say, what the hell is Sliwa talking about? That's why you better keep listening. I'm taking you to the break of dawn. I'm going to explain all about why Juve should be shut down and what's going to happen at the West Indian Day Parade tomorrow because I'll be walking in it with Lee Zeldin, who I am intent, as all of you should be, to make the next governor of the state of New York. Well, wait, wait. I still got so much other crime to talk about here. It's only 10% of everything happening. 1-800-848-9222. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Competition's paying the price. I'm gonna knock you out. Oh, this is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the crime. Not just here in New York City, but in the Tri-State area, but especially the rotten apple. So rotten, even the worms have left to Florida. And I feel like Kurt Russell in that movie, Escape from New York, right? Don't you? In the meantime, the swagger man with no plan. Where's he at tonight? Club Zero Bond, right? Race the roof. Yeah, you laughing at all of us. You sucker white boys. You elected me, right? I told you I was law and order, right? 
I was never going to be law and order. The only order I'm bringing to the city is at the Nightlife Mayor because I love to sample the product. Man, you don't have to be street smart to know what sampling the product means. I mean, Matt Blade's a fugitive from uh, justice. Probably understands that when he is in a Super 8 Motel 6, all of a sudden he got some Colombians, you know, they got a kilo there. What does what Matt Blaze saying? This is his last nickel diamond penny invested in that kilo. Man, I got to sample the product, man. Because you're going you gonna to rip me off. You think I'm a, a okie-dokie white boy. I got to sample the product. One of Eric Adams comes out of the Zero Bond Club with a little bit of that white stuff on his nose, you know, and his brother. That's why Bernard is there. Man, wipe your nose, man. Could be some paparazzi out there, man. Come on. Come on. You got to be up in two hours. Don't worry about it. I sampled the product. It was good stuff, man. It was Medellin quality. <laughs> I know. I know where all the bones are buried and who buried them. Meantime, all of you, I hope it gets on track. You know, we've invested in Eric Adams. We at the New York Post editorially, we said he's the new face of the Democratic Party. He's a moderate Democrat who brings a law and order sensibility to the city of New York. Not. We have like, a hip-hop mayor. Yeah, the hip-hop. We have a hip-hop mayor. Yeah, we'll get to that momentarily. God. Anyway, uh, who's getting knocked out in the streets in New York and in the subways and the parks? Senior citizens. By the way, I qualify, right? I'm 68. When I was 49, the AARP every day was sending me junk mail, including on Sundays. I'd go to my mailbox, I'd say, Madonna, my, I'm going to get a double hernia lifting all this junk mail. It's the only thing that keeps the United States Postal Service in business, A-R-A-A-R-P. It'll happen to you, Matt Blaze, when you're 49 every day, 365 days of the year, even holidays. You get mail from them, giving you free coupons, food stamps, whatever it is. I don't know. I always used to recycle that envelope. And then all of a sudden, when I was 50... The head of AARP locally in the area said, Curtis, welcome to AARP. You're lucky to be alive. I said, you're damn right. And guess what? I'm introducing you to who? Mr. Click. Bang. So anyway, let me go through this. This is really a horror show. First off, um, because of inflation and because the cost of living has skyrocketing, there is no more retirement. Runaway prices are pushing seniors back to work. And, you know, we're going to hire them to hold up signs, not just in Times Square, you know, gun-free zone, but they can hold up signs in all five boroughs that says, don't mug senior citizens, don't knock out senior citizens. Look at this. Shameful. This is a double disgraziata, a double shanda. And we're doing nothing about it. Let me take you. Remember that 78-year-old woman? She was on the ground, Avenue N, Marine Park, not far from where I grew up. And a lot of you listening right now, if you're not living in that area now, South Brooklyn, you used to live there before you fled. 78-year-old woman. She has a cane. She's dependent on accessorite. My mother friend, Cheska, when she was alive, took accessorite to her rehabilitation appointments. And all of a sudden, the driver, uh, yeah, these are the McWhitey-Whiteys. The victim is white, the driver is white. You saw it on the video. The Good Samaritan was filming it as this driver was assaulting her, knocking her down, taking her phone, and she's fighting him with the cane. He jumps in, he films it, he tells the guy, the white driver, give her the phone back. 
He gives the phone back, then he gets behind the accessoride vehicle and hits the Good Samaritan. It almost kills him. Now, you would think, gee whiz, accessoride. This is not brain science, NYPD. He's a licensed driver. You have him on your registry. He rides other senior citizens. He's on the lam. How difficult could it be to find this guy? But you see, the cops are no longer aggressive. What you really don't know is there used to be 7,500 detectives. They're now down to 5,000. That's a dangerous level. The uniformed police officers, they're the first line of defense. But when arrests have to be made, when cases have to be processed for the local DAs who love to turn them loose, it's dependent on the detectives. If you don't have enough detectives to follow up, the crooks are on the lam in perpetuity. Some of you... Don't you find it odd that in that particular case, Avenue and Marine Park, 78-year-old woman with the cane on the ground like a turtle who's upside down. She can't get up. She had been assaulted. Her phone had been taken. The Good Samaritan jumps in, videos it. The guy jumps in the car and then hits the Good Samaritan with the vehicle, almost killing him. And you know how we learned about this? Not from the NYPD, not from City Hall, not from the Missing in Action Police Commissioner Sewell. From the Shamrim Patrol that I've worked with side by side through the city all the years. Hop some until the day you die. Matt Blaze, yeah, you never got your brush. You never say Torah and Talmud. What would you know about hop some? Let me tell you something. When the cops can't or won't do the job, when the officials turn them loose, this is what goes on in the Orthodox and black hat community of Hasidim. Every man knows when you hear hop some. You drop everything you are doing. Baker, butcher, you could be driving a vehicle. You could be davening to Talmud and Torah in your local shul and synagogue. You put boots on the ground where there was one Hasidim guy there. Now 500 guys, you chase this guy and you put boots to the back of his head. And guess what? They ain't coming in your neighborhood no more. We used to use bats. Louisville Sluggers, Rocky Calavito autographed uh, bats, right? Hey, okay, a little extreme, right? But the uh, Hasidics, the Orthodox, Hopsum, Hopsum! Hey, look, look, I know a lot of you didn't vote for me. You made deals. Your mockers made deals with Eric Adams. You sold me out. I know that. I've been there for you. The anniversary of Crown Heights, 1991, the pogrom. Lubavitchers, who was there for 30 days, 30 nights, Curtis Lewa and the Guardian Angels protecting your tuchuses. Where was Eric Adams? Hmm. Hanging out with Alslam Shady Sharpton and Sonny Carson, who were calling you diamond merchants. How quickly you forget. But back on the attack against all those who would remoraud against senior citizens. You saw that black woman? Uh, we've seen her outside the studios of WABC roaming about emotionally disturbed. She hit that 76-year-old woman and knocked her out on the corner of 52nd and Madison in the shadow of St. Patrick's Cathedral. By the way, uh, where was Cardinal Dolan? Oh, that's right. He was embracing members of MS-13 who were getting off the Greyhound buses coming in from Texas as he was saying, don't worry about it. We'll take care of you. Hey, Cardinal. You see on their necks, the tattoos, MS-13. You see on their knuckles in Spanish, it says F-U. Oh, no, 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 we're Santa Claus Catholic Charity. Santa Claus, yeah? With whose money? Your money? The church's money? No, our money, the taxpayers. Yeah, welcome in. 
18th Street, right? MS-13. As former President Donald Trump called them, bad hombres. But I digress here. Then there was the 75-year-old Altacaca in broad daylight in Queens, right off 74th and 37th Road in Jackson Heights. 10.15 in the morning, another guy bumped into him. It was on purpose, asked him for money. Then the other guy came over and yoked him, yoked this elderly man, went through his pockets in front of a crowd. It's all on CCTV, right? And nobody in the crowd did anything. Feckless and weak, folded like cheap cameras. Hey, and the cops almost almost never get there on time. Because let's face it, they won't let the cops do their job. Let me give you another one. Guy age 68, knocked unconscious in a $2,000 theft. At the subway station, where in Dumbo? Yeah, I always wonder, why did they rename that uh, neighborhood in downtown Brooklyn Dumbo? Because you got to be dumb to live there as a hipster and millennial. Oh, we pay $4,000 for 128 square feet. Oh, aren't we lucky? No. Unfortunately, it's the 68-year-old guy who got mugged and not a young hipster and millennial. Six of these Hyenas, these jackals, surrounded him at the train station 5.30 in the morning. They beat him repeatedly. They kicked him in the head. They went through his pockets. They waved at the cameras. They waved at the cameras. My, 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 what has happened to us? This is like clockwork orange. Wait, I'm not finished. More senior citizens being preyed upon. This is the lowest of the low. There is a special place in hell for all these violators. You should go straight to hell without an asbestos suit in perpetuity. This time it's Newark. Oh, yeah, Mayor Raz Baraka, friend of all criminals. He actually exports crime. He said, look, look, there's only so much crime you can commit in Newark. I want to outsource crime. Go over the Outer Bridge Crossing. Uh, steal cars from Staten Island and catalytic converters. Do home invasions there. Go out to the county executive there, Bruce Blakeman in Nassau County. Rob cars there. Steal catalytic converters. Go out there in Suffolk County where Bologna is the county executive. Steal, steal, steal. And then come back when you have a car right over the outer bridge crossing and drive it right into the belly of a cargo container ship. With the license plate still on. And guess where it ends up, Matt Plates? Dubai, the UAE, Serbia, and, <clears throat> yes, Montenegro. And it's considered top price because it has New York City plates on it. Or, if you can't get it into the belly of a ship that's going out of the Arthur Kill, the Kilvale and Cull, through the Straits of the Verrazano, just bring it to a chop shop in the Ironbound section. Or down neck. I know what's going on, Raz Baraka, friend of all criminals. The evil seed of Leroy Jones, a.k.a. Amira Baraka, enemy of Tony Imperiali and the Citizens Association of the North Ward on Bloomfield Avenue that saved that part of Newark during the riots. Anyway, what happened? Do you know where this place is? Of course, uh, of course Matt Blaze knows. He used to score cocaine there, Highland and Park Avenue. It was 5.45 in the morning. This Hispanic guy, he's 72 years old. He's walking his dog. And these three homies surround him. And it's not like it was a, a French pit bull. No, 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 no. No, no, no. They weren't there to snatch the dog. They kicked him in the back. They kicked him in the head. They stomped him on his groin.
You know what a groin is, Ken, don't you? Well, anatomically, do I have to explain that to you? They knocked him out. And then you see them on all the cameras, because there are cameras everywhere now, right? It's like Alan Fun, candid camera, except the thugs wave. They had no mask on. They had no hoodies on. You could tell who they were. And they're going from car to car, and they're trying to rob cars after they knocked this guy out and went through his pants, pulled his pants down to his ankles. This guy's laid up in the hospital. Hey, Raj Baraka, did you have a press conference? No, of course not. You probably said they're a product of society. They're wayward youth. They're misunderstood. If only we could give them education, they'll go on to become Rhodes Scholars, like Cory Booker. By the way, Cory Booker, the U.S. Senate, he claims he lives in in uh, in Newark, right? Never see him there. When I'm at the Prudential Center, when I'm by Broad and Market, when I'm on Springfield Ave, when I'm on South Orange Ave, when I'm on Week Wake, when I'm in uh, Branchbrook Park, yeah, I'm there. I never say, I'd say, hey, is Cory Booker here? Huh? Is his boo here? You know, his beard? No, no, he lost his boo, Sliwa. Yo, man, how come you, white boy, you're here and he's not here? Well, we know where he is. And it ain't in Newark. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then a real piece of work. In the city of Chicago. Mayor Lightfoot, a.k.a. Lightweight, friend of Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan. Uh, as of last, we, we have a calculator here, because that's my second home, Chicago. I know it. I have guardian angels there. I spent five years on 46th and Rockwell, south side of Chicago. Used to be all Polish, and it's now Mexican, near where the stockyards used to be. Not far from Bridgeport, where the daily corrupt machine came from, all the Irish. And I got to tell you now, it doesn't matter what neighborhood in Chicago you are. You could be north side, south side. It's the killing fields. As of 2.30 this afternoon, 48 had been shot over this weekend, eight killed. And we still got whole day tomorrow. And where was um, Mayor Lightfoot, a.k.a. Mayor Lightweight? She was, uh, she was having a schlong challenge, believe it or not. She was taking on the union president of the PBA there. And uh, she wanted to match genitalia. The mayor allegedly adding, I am trying to keep Chicago police officers from being shot, and you were trying to get them shot. My bleep is bigger than yours and the Italians, and I have the biggest bleep in Chicago. Oh, yeah. In the meantime, Gordon Lightfoot was supposed to do a concert in Grant Park, right there near Lake Michigan. Gordon Lightfoot, well known for the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. You know, that ship went down in Lake Superior. My daddy told me that. He was from Chicago, Merchant Seaman, 54 years when I first heard that song by Gordon Lightfoot. He told me, oh, yeah, Lake Superior. It didn't happen in Lake Michigan. My, my daddy used to swim in Lake Michigan. Oh, definitely. He loved swimming. He loved the sea. I hated the sea. I was like chicken of the sea. Remember the tuna fish, chicken of the sea? Right? You wouldn't know that, Ken. God, wait, wait, you're gonna pimp, I'm going to pimp slap you uh, later on in the uh, Frank Morano other side of midnight. You and that woman, Elisa, oh, did you hang her out to dry? But anyway, so Gordon Lightfoot no longer wants to be referred to. He wants to change his last name because every time he comes to actually perform in Grant Park in Chicago, he gets booed. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. 
Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Remember this when you went to folk music? The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down of the big lake they call Gitchagumi. Yeah, the Chippewa up there in Wisconsin. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. Yeah, gloomy in Chi-Town all the time now. With a load of iron ore, 26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty. Minnesota! Minnesota! That good ship and true was a bone to be chewed when the gales of November came early. That iron ore right down on the bottom the of Lake Superior. Everybody in Chicago loves Gordon Lightfoot. That's his home away from home. Because, you know, he's Canadian. He's like Neil Young. You know, Joni Mitchell. You know, I sided with Neil Young, Joni Mitchell against Spotify and that muscle head, you know, with that muscle between both ears, Joe Rogan. Got a side with Canada. By the way, they had like 10 stabbed in Regina where the warm winds of Saskatchewan go through by two brothers which are slashing and killing Canadians who say, but we're not of Highland people here. And you know what they're saying on the national news? Trudeau Jr. is saying, uh, Twinkle Toes Trudeau, Ah, but you see, unlike America, they didn't have guns. They had knives. Tell that to the victims. Ten of them are dead. Room temperature. Gee, don't you feel a lot better in Canada that you're dead as a result of having your throat slit by these rampaging brothers who are being now swept up by the warm winds of Saskatchewan, the Chinook? which will take them into Calgary and Edmonton and across the Rocky Mountains into the land of Vancouver, British Columbia, where they'll be able to go into an injection clinic and actually have heroin and fentanyl injected into them by Nurse Ratchet at taxpayers' expense. Thank you, Twinkle Toes Trudeau Jr. in Ottawa. You believe this? The guy is a crime rampage. Two brothers are on the loose, right? They're slashing and they're stabbing and they're killing people. God only knows what the figure is up to now. They may actually equal the murder rate of what's occurring in Chicago this weekend. And the first thing that Trudeau Jr. said in, in Ottawa, right there, it's a prime minister's residence. And I realize this is devastating in Canada. We're only 30 million people. But we're civilized people. We're not like those Americans with their guns. We don't have an NRA. We've taken the guns from our law-abiding citizens. Now, right now, these two brothers are doing home invasions, slitting people's throats. Now, you think maybe if you had a gun in your house, right, you could say, yeah, come on in. I got something here for you, shotgun. No, not in Canada. No, not in Saskatchewan, not in Regina. Although Calgary is really like our 51st state. If any of you have ever been to Calgary, they got the shale there. And that's right, Biden closed the pipeline, all that oil from the sands of Calgary and Edmonton right on up to Hudson Bay. 
No more oil for you. Trudeau Jr. said, how could you shut off the pipeline? And Joe Biden, in his uh, dementia and Alzheimer's, said, because we're going to get our oil from our enemies. Putin and Russia, uh, the fake phony frauds, the house of fraud in Saudi Arabia, and, of course, Maduro in Venezuela. No, no, but we, we had the pipeline right from Calgary, Edmonton, the sands. Uh, you know, it was good, shale. Yeah, you know, fracking. No, sorry. Sell it somewhere else. Is this crazy or what? Is this nuts? And in addition, you had Trump yesterday in Pennsylvania declaring war against Biden, and Biden was in outside of Independence Hall on Thursday night declaring war on MAGA and the Republicans and Trump. Meantime, nobody's talking about any of the issues. Of course not. This is like Hatfields and McCoys. It's going to be this way for months and months and months and months. Trudeau Jr. has a crime problem. As these two uh, bandito brothers are slitting throats as they make their way across Canada. And nobody has guns to stop them. Except for the RCMP Dudley Do-Right, right? And his trusty steed, except the RCMP, many of them don't have guns either. Good luck, Canadians. You can hear us, the 50,000 powerful watts of sound. Now that it's dusk, we get calls from Hudson Bay, way up there near the Arctic where it's melting. Pretty soon there won't be an Arctic. The coldest place where the polar bears will be. I'm not talking Pete Alonso or the Mets. You know, your number four hitter. Meantime, where did they put Aaron Judge the other night? Batting out of the first position. We will never win a playoff or World Series with Aaron Boone as manager. How do you put Judge up first? Alonso is batting cleanup. That's where your power hitters should be hitting. Three, four, or five. Not two or one. Notice how I slipped in a little Mickey there, the Curtis Lee with Super Sports Spectacular. 1-800-848-9222. Gee, what's Gordon going to rename himself now that he's saying, don't call me Lightfoot because people keep thinking I'm related to Mayor Lightfoot Lightweight, who is uh, talking about how she has a bigger schlong than the head of the PBA in Chicago. Now, for all I know, maybe she does. You know, you got to be careful, man, Blaze. In this day and age where there are 72 sexualities, 72 gender preferences, where you can be XX chromosome or XY chromosome or non-binary, which includes everything under the sun. How do we know if we can't see it? I'm taking a word for it. Look, I don't doubt she's got a hose there. She acts like that towards the cops and the PBA. But when it comes to the criminal, she goes, oh, no bullets, just hugs. No drugs, just hugs. We love you. We love you, gangster disciples. We love you, Latin Kings. We love you, MS-13. We love you. Hugs, not drugs. Hugs, not bullets. Meantime, let's see whose crime rate is higher by uh, Monday night. The Canadians, who are two brothers across the winds of the Chinook, or the gangbangers on the south side or west side of Chicago. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Bill in Philly. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Bill. Hi, Curtis. It's wonderful to hear you. I love this station, and I like your news director, Lydia. That's right, and you're not going to be listening to WWDB. Are you in Philly? 
Uh, they're not even around anymore. What? That's a, a, a hip-hop hip No wonder why you have a crime wave. No wonder why you have a police commissioner named Outlaw. No wonder why you've had more murders this year alone than you've ever had in the history of Philadelphia since. <sighs> well, if, you're, if your police commissioner is leaving, your mayor will probably pick her to be the, her successor. God, please, and, please. Uh, commissioner Outlaw. She did nothing, really. Now, now, but let me ask you a question, Bill. Bill, let's put aside all of that. Why would you pick a person with a name outlaw to be your police commissioner? Well, what do you think? What kind of signal are you sending to the drug dealers, the gangbangers, and everyone? Oh, a police commissioner outlaw. Oh, which MC group are you with? Uh, what patches do you wear? What rockets? But anyway, go ahead, Bill. I digress. You know where he found her? Out in California. That's where she was. She was the police commissioner of Portland, Oregon. And, and from what I understand, it's pretty bad there. Uh, Bill, you, you, you think it's pretty bad? It's uh, a riot every night in Portland, Oregon. The anarchists prevail. And that's right. Philly went on a talent search all over America. To find the police commissioner. And they found the police commissioner in Portland, who was incapable of doing anything other than maybe putting nail polish on. And her name was Outlaw. And they said, well, of course. Her name is Outlaw, so outlaws will respect outlaws. Not WABC. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Now this one to the kids and to the girl and with the angel face on the devil heart. You know, Sir Ramos and Chaka, the most new car players come to deal with the face. Step up my youth. Hear this. I know this little girl, her name is Max. Ah, Max Blaze. You're a blood clad man. Ken, the telephone uh, talent coordinator, you're a Yankee man. And uh, Alex, the producer of the Frank Morano show, The Other Side of Midnight, who schnozzes up his tuckus, you brown nose. You're a rude boy, man. You're a rude boy. Now, why am I playing uh, Murder, She Wrote? Because um, there's a good chance you're going to have some murders. Somebody's getting stacked tonight. Out in Flatbush, Crown Heights, up uh, Utica Avenue, across Eastern Parkway, down Flatbush, through church, in the East Flatbush, Canarsie, over in the Bushwick. I know I'm normally patrolling uh, Juve with the Guardian Angels because Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, is saying, oh, it's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be great. If it's so great, this fake, phony, fraudulent, so-called celebration at night, how come you're beefing up security with the NYPD? Why? Because people get shot. And then all of a sudden you see you see the bloods out there and they're saying to one another, yo, man, put your flags up. Yo, Matt Blaze, you a Trini, huh? Hey, Ken, you're a Barbadian, right? Flags up. The country of your origin. You take that flag around your neck and you put it up 
and now all of a sudden you look like Jesse James, a bad hombre, and you go on a terrorist spree, and you're capping shots and blasting them like you're at a dance hall reggae concert, guns in the air like you just don't care, and then all of a sudden you're on booty call. Because, you see, the lovelies. And you say, would you like me to dagger you? And she says, no. Well, guess what? I'm going to dagger you. And a lot of people listening right now, what's he talking about, dagger? Does that mean a shield, a knife? Honey, what is he saying? No, 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 I'll explain it. Just imagine the image of a caterpillar. Okay, it's theater of the mind. I'll have to explain it from 1 to 5 in the morning as I... Take over the other side of midnight for Frank Morano the third time in two months because he's too busy shooting craps at the Borgata. And so, naturally, I'm not going to allow any of his so-called substitutes. He had a list of like 72 people, all of whom had been fired here at WABC over the years. Yeah, good choice, Frank. So I said to John Katsimatidis, right, and our president, Chad, our... Uh, our consigliere, I said, don't worry about it, I got it. They say, yeah, but you always had Juve, you know, you're in there, you're stopping crime, you're stopping vibes. I say, I'll tell you what, the guardian angels are there. It's more important that I be talking on the number one news talk station in the nation with 50,000 powerful watts of sound heard in 38 states, parts of Canada. That's right, a sliver of Europe and right on down to Davy Jones's locker between... Bermuda and the Bahamas, yes. 50,000 powerful watts of sound from Lodi. Where our crack engineer Dan is getting brumskis and lap dances and the uh, <sighs> strip club right there, you know, from the Sopranos. Yeah, yeah. Satin Dolls, that's the real name. Yeah, he's working hard on Labor Day. He's working real hard. But we'll continue. Meantime, let's go to Steve calling from Central Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Steve. Hey, Curtis. Curtis, I want to alert you to, um, I think, a, the carjacking scam that came to my neighborhood. You've talked about it on the air. Out of Newark? Yes. June, six, June 16th, check. It was reported in ABC print news. I don't want to give my town away, but uh, if you look <laughs> at it. Yeah, what do you here, mean? Here, what I'll is this, a national re- secret? Woodbridge Township. Oh, Woodbridge. I love Woodbridge Township. Curtis, I was coming, literally, I was coming right out of my street. I looked left, and the police had the area blocked off. Obviously, I didn't go there. I didn't find out till a week later what had happened. What had happened, just to, just to update the folks, two carjackers driving a car. I think it was New York Plates. You can check, you check the news report. They, tried, they followed the most affluent person in the neighborhood back to their house and tried to hijack their car. Of course. The guy fought back. He wound up getting shot. Uh, he survived, I think, and the two carjackers got away. To my knowledge, they've never been caught. All right, But this is, Curtis, just to, to the bigger picture, this is why the summer of love 2020, it bothered me so much, not just because of the people in those cities who were being hurt, but I said, you let this lawlessness go on, it will come to the suburbs. Wait, 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 wait a second. Was- let me tell you something. Steve, I'm, I'm having flashbacks now. As I sat in this very same seat on Saturday... Left versus right, Anthony Weiner, who was on an hour before, solo, in the middle. Um, I mentioned how my jaw was broken on June 1st, June 2nd, in the streets of New York City, battling Antifa and Black Lives Matter, because the cops were ordered to stand down. I was out there with the guardian angel. Matt Blaze, as uh, liberal and progressive as you are, and you are certainly out there, 
Uh, can your mindless, so I'm not even going to bring it to your attention. So he tells me that Antifa is an ideology. And I look at Anthony Weiner and I say, you mean to tell me an ideology broke my jaw? There was 50 of them with body armor, with sticks, nightsticks. How come they get to carry nightsticks and not the cops? Swinging and winging in my head, they broke my jaw with a claw hammer. Curtis, you don't understand it's an ideology. What do you mean an ideology? How did 50 of them gather together all in the same spot at the same time in the same place? No, Curtis, you're... You, you misunderstand it. I misunderstand that. I'm battling them. Black Lives Matter, which has become big, large mansions. What a ripoff. How come nobody wears the Black Lives Matter T-shirts anymore? What's the matter? You know, they got a new leader. He's um, XX chromosome, not. No, not transgender. Not those transgender women. Uh, they pimped off enough money out of uh, Black Lives Matter to buy almost every mansion available. In fact... You know, that bishop, that self-appointed bishop from Canarsie, uh, the guy's a rip-off artist, the one who claimed that he had uh, $600,000 of bling taken from him on Forster Avenue and Remsen Avenue, and we haven't heard anything since because the cops have been told, 69th Precinct, don't investigate. He's selling his mansion in Passaic for $3 million. You know, friend of Eric Adams, since Eric Adams was very friendly with Black Lives Matter, maybe he can convince them to buy the self-appointed bishop's mansion. And that'll make ten mansions that they have. In Los Angeles, in Toronto, in New Jersey, in Georgia. One of the biggest scams in America, Black Lives Matter, which has become big, large mansions. I was walking around the streets today saying, hey, what happened to your Black Lives Matter shirt? Uh, All Lives Matter. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. You can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. You gotta fight for your on the playlist of Cousin Brucie, Tony Orlando without Dawn, or even Vinny Maduro. No, 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 no. This is exclusive to Curtis Lewa and WABC. The acronym stands for always broadcasting. Curtis, live and local, never best of, because whenever you hear a show say, oh, best of, I heard that a few times this weekend. It made me want to projectile vomit, because when you say best of, it means worst of. It was bad the first time I listened to it. What do you think? I'm a masochist? I want to listen to it a second time. Yeah, Beastie Boys. Three uh, Booker Boys studied Talmud and Torah, went to NYU. So let me ask you 
ask this question real quick here. Matt Blaze, fugitive from the law, man with many aliases. The Kendall, who is our telephone talent coordinator, brainless. And uh, naturally, the producer of the Michigan Action, Frank Morano, tonight, um, Alex, with that brown nose all the way up that tush of Frank. Um, it took the city council of New York, the progressives and the liberals, to name a plaza for the Beastie Boys, not far from NYU where they went to school, on Rivington Street. It took them seven years, Matt Blaze. Biggie Smalls. Seven days they gave him a plaza. By the way, uh, Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, said that was the worst crime committed in New York City, the desecration of the mural to Biggie Smalls. By the way, Biggie Smalls had a very good mother, sent him to Catholic schools, elementary schools. He went to Bishop Lachlan. This is where Rudy went. He was doing good. And then he told his mom, they want to kick me out. No. He said, I want to leave on my own accord. I want to go to Westinghouse and hang with the homies, Jay-Z. And then he started slinging crack to pregnant women in the projects. Oh, Biggie Smalls, greatest of all time. Not. So why did it take seven days to get a plaza dedicated to Biggie Smalls in Bed-Stuy, do or die? Seven years for the three Jews, right? Yeah. It was because they're Jews. And, oh, yeah, Wu-Tang Clan, right? 39,000 chambers of death. They were running guns from Steubenville, Ohio, right there to Park Hill, Stapleton Projects. And then who? who's down there? Oh, all the elected officials. Jim, Timmy Otto, I'm borough president. We, we love Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, uh, Joe Borelli, oh, I grew up worshiping Wu-Tang Clan. You see, I told the brothers, don't beat me up. I like Wu-Tang Clan. What a bunch of fake, phony, fraudulent frauds. These guys were thugs, criminals. Yeah, yeah, they got a plaza there. They had it on all of three days, right? So what, what, what did you choose, uh, Dutch Masters or Phillies, to roll your blunts? Hey, have you ever been in Park Hill? Of course not. Have you been in Stapleton? Of course not. Hey, I won the vote here because I've been there. Yeah. Party! By the way, ladies and gentlemen, the reason we're playing BC Boys, the right to party, is because it seems our elected officials uh, want to spend more time partying till the break of dawn than actually doing their job. And uh, I have to use as an example a guy who is a fuddy-duddy, Frank Morano, a guy who likes uh, the song Rudy Valley. Brother, can you spare a dime? Hey, with this inflation, <laughs> it's very pertinent. Uh, he is the president of the Al Josin Club, fan club. Mammy, mammy. But um, he's not a dancer. You know, uh, Abba comes on, and I'm not talking the Swedish meatball mafias. Uh, you know, he loves anything with mafia in it. He actually said, oh, man, what do you think of them? No, you schmuck and putz. It's not the Mafia, it's an EDP group, Electronic Dance Music. Oh, God. And then Stevie Van Zandt, right, the Schmatter boy, uh, did this thing for cable about organized crime in Norway with square heads. I get really frightened. Oh, man, it was so good. God. But I digress. I digress. Uh, the reason we're playing all of this is because there has come a point where you have to take sides. 
Whose side are you on? Eric Adams, the swagger man who breaks and parties out in private clubs. Whatever happens in a private club stays in a private club. You can wine him, dine him, pocket line him there to the wee hours of the morning. Or the Finnish prime minister, 36 years old, we now find out that she had parties during COVID at the prime minister's palazzia. While she's dropping Molly in ecstasy, we see that doesn't come out in the drug test. Oh, I took a drug test. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't pick up Molly in ecstasy. (laughs) Meantime, Boris Johnson, with his hair going in all different directions, they sacked him in the parliament for being Spuds McKenzie and having parties during the COVID lockdown at 110. No, not 110 Livingston Street. That's the old house of the Board of Education that Rudy Giuliani said. Let's blow it up. And what do we get instead? The DOE, Department of Education, dumbest organization ever. Let me see. Now you see I got my addresses all mixed up. I've been to the Prime Minister's residence there in London. Ten, ten Downing, ten. Anyway, it'll come to me. If you happen to know what the hell I'm trying to say, feel free to give a call and you'll win a Curtis Lee or Booby Prize. Unlike Frank Morano, I don't have alligator arms. No, I throw nickels around like manhole covers, but thank God our owners and operators, John and uh, Marco Katsimatidis of our parent company, Red Apple, definitely have the wherewithal to provide excellent booby prizes. You get a WABC cap, and with the patch of the show that you've won the booby prize from. Now, with Frank Morano, later on, you don't want to go to sleep between 1 and 5 in the morning since I have to substitute for him again out there as he's shooting craps at the Borgata, snoring free rooms, free buffet, a free au pair to watch his 40-pound son, Carmine, while his wife has an an unlimited amount of money to spend as she shops till she drops Rachel. He's going to lose it all shooting craps. And you know there was about 12 schmucks from WABC who have gone there to lose their money, too, shooting craps. He's actually instructing them on how to lose money. But you see, I digress. Now, uh, I must appeal to you, uh, Matt Blaze, because I know you're going to lie on behalf of Frank, and Ken has no brain whatsoever between both ears. And Alex, he's just a sycophant, Tony, and lackey, so... Whatever Frank wants, Frank gets. He's the golden child of talk radio. The suits, the muckets, the muckety-muck have said he's the here and now of talk radio. Whatever Frank wants, Frank gets. He is the ratings leader here at WABC. But I've been slowly creeping up. And I did promise by Labor Day I would be the ratings leader. And because I've accumulated so many S&H green stamps for all the hours that I do, I got more S&H green stamps than Frank Morano has or Sid Rosenberg, or anyone else. Remember how you used to go to Flying A or the gas station? Oh, I'm going to get gas just to get the S&H green stamps so that I can get another toaster, so I can have three toasters instead of two toasters. I do this because I want to be number one, second, and none. I hate it. When anybody at WABC, oh, I'm the number one ratings leader. Really? For 33 years, I've usually been the number one ratings leader. And I will be it again. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So the curmudgeon Frank Morano, who hates dancing, he's actually suggested that... um, well, I'll let him explain himself. I want you to hear how he flip-flops. I believe the next politician coming out of WABC will definitely be Frank because he forgets what he says. 
like typical politicians, because they assume you're all idiots. They assume you're not going to know from day to day what they said one week ago, never mind two weeks ago, two months ago, or what they just said last, well, actually yesterday. So here's Frank Morano defending the defenseless, the Finnish prime minister. By the way, if you look at her, you know, she reminds me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. It'll come to me momentarily. I'm having a Joe Biden moment here. Uh, anyway, play Frank Morano in defense of the indefensible. Excuse me. Over the weekend, I am seeing her attacked for this giant nothing, international nothing burger of a story. And I feel the need to defend her. So um, if you haven't heard about this, in a leaked video, Finland's prime minister, I believe her name is pronounced Sana Marin. She's seen, she's a young woman, relatively attractive, 36 years old. She's seen dancing and singing with friends at a private party. Okay. I saw the same video, except again and again. He didn't go on to explain that she is a married woman with a four-year-old child and she was giving brumskis and lap dances to some strange men. And that there were women in front of her lip-locking, and she tried to extricate them, but their tongues were tied around each other's tongue. Plato's retreat, little debauchery, little penthouse action. Remember, see, now I forgot to say it again. He had the open polyester shirt. Remember, he had all the fake hair there with the gold chains. Oh, Gucci on. Wow, man, it's catching up to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're going that way. And Frank, all of a sudden, because, you see, because people are attacking her, he fails to remember what he said back in June. But uh, Excuse me, July. Before we get to that, let's... Uh, Let's have Frank quote why it is he's now in support of the Abba dancing uh, prime minister of Finland, not Sweden, whatever the hell her name is. I think there's no reason she should be dealing with this amount of criticism right now. And you know who agrees with me? A group of people that I can always count on, the women of Finland. The women of Finland are now in rallying to her defense and posting all sorts of party videos to back up this woman. Uh, boy, that was so lame. How about Hillary Rodham Clinton saying, you go, girl, you go, girl. AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, better known as Sandra Ocasio, since she grew up in Tarrytown Heights in Westchester and not in Parchester, the Bronx. Leader of the Democratic Socialists of America, the Justice Warriors, AOC, all out crazy. Uh, Matt Blaze, he didn't mention those two. Right? Like the, the, the women of Finland, like, what does he, what does he have there, posters at home? You know, the calendars, the women of Finland, what are they taking with, uh, an elk? You know, an elk, uh, they, what do they, hang their brassiers on the, on the elk's uh, antlers? God, what a freak Frank is, because on July 1st, he said the following about dancing. Those that don't dance in the current climate are ostracized. They're treated as if they're 
a lackluster party guest somehow. They're pressured to participate, and if they don't want to participate, they have to sneak away until they're dragged back onto the dance floor by their stepmother. By their stepmother. What a mama Luke. Now, tell me which Frank is real. The Frank defending the indefensible, a prime minister who has been told by Vladimir Putin, we're going to turn your country, Finland, into a glass highway because you're joining NATO and you're closer to us than Sweden is. You're right on our border. We're going to turn you into a glass highway. Oh, let's party to the break of dawn. A little molly, a little ecstasy. Let me give out uh, Brumskis and lap dances to some of my loyal subjects. And let me watch some femme fatales lip lock in front of me as I try to extricate their tongues from one another's mouths. Freak. And then here's uh, Frank Morano talking about he doesn't like to dance. There was a time when, especially if I wasn't performing the ceremony, I would go to one wedding a year. And it's be, this dancing pressure was a big part of it. I don't like to dance, and I don't feel like I should have to apologize for that. He doesn't, this is July 1st. <laughs> We're September 3rd, right? Just two months away. He has no idea what he said. He, he's going to be a politician. This is so typical of politicians. You say to him, hey, wait a second. You just flipped the script. You said, no, I didn't. You know, they always, no, I didn't. What you, it's like Joe Biden. No, I didn't. You declared war on MAGA, right? And the Republicans, no, I didn't. I embrace them. No, no, you were on the front steps of Independence Hall Thursday night with the with the glow of red, with the two centurion marines and the marine band in the back. No, I wasn't. I don't know what you're talking about. Now, he may have an excuse, dementia and Alzheimer's. But Frank is kind of an old young guy, right? He may he may be on the cusp uh, of Alzheimer's, of dementia. Oh, wait, wait. And he proposed alternative activities i guess i'm unclear in how this whole dancing being the recreational activity of choice at parties began and i'm wondering what can be done about it now i as a a party thrower on that one occasion did something about it i went and had alternative activities in this case the alternative activity was eating drinking and conversation which i'll take any day of the week well, well, who knew he was a Spuds McKenzie, right? We know he loves fromage. He loves Velveeta cocktails. And uh, Matt Blaze, I believe, because he is away with Rachel at the Borgata, that she has put on that uh, Velveeta nail polish that's an aphrodisiac to him. She's made him a few Velveeta cocktails. And she's lit the candle that has the smell of Junior's cheesecake. Wow. That's going to be a triple X rated night, right? Once he loses all of his money. That's $6,000. I don't know how he got that in some kind of scam. We're going to be talking about, you're not, no, you're not turning it off. You're not going to sleep. I'm taking you to 5 o'clock in the morning, and then we have the hour of news, and then it's our owner-operator, John Katzmatidis, uh, who will be joined by Andrew Giuliani. That's right, son of Rudy Giuliani, and they'll take you to 10 o'clock. And then, you know, I'm back. That's right, like I am every day for the lunchtime edition. And hopefully the guy who comes on before me, not Bill O'Reilly, his substitute, will not be talking about Darwin is responsible for depression in America because... 
He's the father of evolution. What the hell does that have to do with depression? Hell, he says it, you know. He figures, oh, if I sound smart, people will believe that crap. And then on Friday, in the middle of people having their liverwurst sandwich, right, he's talking about how mothers eat their babies. Where did they find these people? I would actually welcome the rearrival of Frank Morano. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. And then, actually, what does Frank blame the fact on that he can't dance, that he is a fuddy-duddy, his mother-in-law? My stepmother is somebody, wonderful lady, but she's somebody that likes to pressure people into doing things that she thinks they'll have fun doing. So at both my brother's wedding and my, my cousin Sandy's wedding, she, both times, multiple times, grabbed me and other people and brought us onto the dance floor. And then when I would try and sneak away at any of these parties and at the wedding, it was really fun because the, uh, the recent New Jersey wedding, because they had some outdoor games like uh, cornhole and outdoor Jenga and actually other recreational activities. <laughs> she would bring me back onto the dance floor. Cornhole. Oh, by the way, um, he is a mamaluke, but that was not his mother-in-law. You know what's going to happen. Any of you who've had mother-in-laws, that's usually where the problems happen first. Not with your wife, with your mother-in-law. So let me leave that alone. That's his stepmother. And then he had the Culeones. He had the, the Hubris, the Webos. To actually, when he got married in Staten Island... Did he pick me as his best man? No. Put me way in the back. You know, I watched there. Meantime, the mosquitoes were eating me up there, you know, because uh, they didn't drop the DEET. Should have dropped the DDT, or somebody should have used a little raid in the garden there. So people were getting eaten alive by the skeeters. We go inside to the catering hall. He has me sitting with Nancy next to all the gaudies, the very people who tried to kidnap and kill me. That he sided with them, not me. And then he knows I'm a dance machine, right? And I'm up on the dance floor with Nancy because I want to kill the Gaudis and Gambinos before they try to kill me. Figure, you know, I get them before they get me. And, and, and listen to what he says. Curtis was dancing with his wife on the dance floor, and John Gotti Jr. came over to me, and he said to me, hey, do you think Curtis would mind if I cut in with his wife? How disrespectful. But, Frank, he's like numbnuts. He doesn't know that at all. Yeah, I know, Ken. You're, you're wondering. You're trying to put this all together in your mind. You're, don't strain your brain, Ken. The telephone talent coordinator, wait till you hear, oh, <laughs> one to five, how this woman spun him like a top, Elisa. Oh, boy, did they rip her off. There's a special place in hell for talk radio teams who do this to people who call up and win contests. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC.
Wow. Think you could have truncated that? The hell is this, my place? Madonna, my anything to sabotage my flow. This show is live and local. This show, which has to go on a rhythm. Look at this. Did I want this song? Of course I did. But you know, Matt Blaze fashions himself as a DJ, so what happens? He overruled me with some nonsense here. Oh, God almighty. And probably Frank Morano's going to give you brownie points for doing this. What the hell is this song? What is it? God. This is horrible. Really? How could you do this to me, Matt Blaze? I should play this crap. Get rid of this music. Get rid of this music. Get it out of here. Oh, please, please. What the hell? I asked for a little J-Lo waiting for the night. And this is what I get as a substitute. You know, I'm going to have Ben Quack Quack Affleck come and pimp slap you down. You know, now that she's got her man, Ben Affleck, Quack Quack. No, it ain't, it ain't happening, man. It ain't happening. What are we going to wait? A half hour for it to get to the punchline? You know, save your DJing for we- weddings, you know, and catering halls. And- oh, here it is. Not on. So, uh, uh, you need to know that, uh, Matt Blaze, definitely a fugitive from law with all these aliases. He does bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, communions, confirmations, graduations, and uh, he's always available for weddings. Frank Morado is the wedding singer, and Matt is the DJ. God. All right, put that lower. Need that underneath. I really need the original edition. Whoever whoever deleted it, this was an act of sabotage. You know, J-Lo, as much of a diva as she is, she hated Shakira. She had a special documentary done in Tribeca. It was all about her, of course, because she's the diva of all divas. From Castle Hill, legitimately, Jenny from the block, went to Preston, you know, from the Bronx. But somebody inserted this, which is a lame version. But I got to deal with it. I mean, there are things in life that are a lot worse than this, right, ladies and gentlemen? I can't think of many that are worse than this. When I have this two-bit DJ here who is the board operator playing the songs that he plays at bat mitzvahs and bar mitzvahs. And at weddings when Frank Morano, you didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, because he's such a degenerate gambler. You know, he, he's got a little side hustle. He's a wedding singer. Man, he is bad. God, this 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 version sucks. It really does. You know, I'm a dance master. I'm a whirling dervish. I would sit down hearing this version. I would say, really? Really? I'm leaving. I'm out of here. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. <laughs> Let's go to Tommy in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tommy. Yeah, Curtis, the uh, the prime minister in England is at 10 Downey Street. I remember years ago, back in the 60s, when they had this uh, history series, World at War, 
and they were talking about Neville Chamberlain always over by uh, 10 Downey Street, and he signed the non-aggression pact with, with Hitler and all this other nonsense. So that was the answer. Uh, you couldn't be more the, hopelessly right. I was fumbling and stumbling as you heard me, Tommy, because I was thinking 110 Livingston Street. By the yeah, way. I know. I, I know that building, too. By the way. <laughs> I, uh, I got Tommy, FDNY guys in there. Tommy, uh, you're a bit of a heavy breather there. You're not getting excited uh, talking on WABC, no. are you, Tommy? No, not at all. I, I just walked down the block, and uh, then all of a sudden you came on. So no, no, hey, hey, on. Tommy, now wait a second. You mean you start heavy breathing just walking down the block, Tommy? No, I was walking very fast, very quickly. Oh, very fast. Okay. When did you go for your last cardio check, Tommy? Actually, last month. And what did they say? What did come, come on, reveal to us. We don't know who you are, Tommy. What was? Uh, how did it? How did it go, Tommy? I'm doing fine. My my doctor said I, that my heart beats like a it, it runs like a friggin' uh, Corvette engine, well tuned. But, but that's what doctors always say, Tommy. Right? That's why they make uh, the big bucks. This guy's come good. On. No, he's good. Yeah, wait, wait. Right. Yeah, that's what everybody says about their doctor, right? And you know what I do, Tommy? I have conversations with him. I say, how many people of your patients have died in the last year, right? And I look at the, you know, it's like the lineup sheet. I say, you've had 12 of your patients die on you in the last year? Tommy, look at Tommy, you're breathing heavy here, Tommy. I'm worried about you. No, this guy has zero body count. Don't worry about it. Let me tell you something, Tommy. I can uh, I can assure you that, God forbid, anything happens to you, uh, I will not be giving you CPR, mouth to mouth resuscitation. That ain't happening, Tommy. I would I would want it. Yeah, well, you know, it's COVID. You know, it's like we got to be careful, right? Look, I'll I'll I tell you what. I'll use a dental dam. If I use a dental dam, I'll give you CPR on first day. What do you think, Tommy? I don't know. I'd rather have, you know, get a hot blonde doing it, you know? Yeah, yeah, I understand. Now, 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 hold on a second. Now you've brought this up. Wow, man, that heavy breathing, Tommy. But anyway, there was an actor from the Bronx. His name was James Garfield. I forget he had some kind of a long-last Jewish name, and they always made the uh, Jewish actors, you know, truncate their names like uh, right. so many of them. Do you know how he died, James Garfield, at such a young age? Uh, yeah, I'm going to find out right now. Oh, you're going to beat me to the punch and Google it, right? No, not at all. No, oh, I'm just waiting for me. you. Okay, I think he was about 38 years old. He was hot to trot. He had this drop-dead gorgeous platinum blonde. He was in the sack, and guess what? He got a little too excited and <laughs> dead. He I got, don't know. He Nelson got Nelson Rockefeller. Yeah, that's right. Nelson Rockefeller. A lot of people don't realize Nelson Rockefeller, who so desperately wanted to buy the presidency, couldn't as the world's richest man, eventually became vice president for Gerald Ford. And once he was out yeah. of office, he was in his library. And uh, a very voluptuous young blonde, maybe like uh, 50 years younger than him, was orally fixating him, and he dropped dead. That's it, DOA. By the way, uh, Tommy, do you know what the world's richest man would have brought to his hotel room each and every afternoon when he was governor of the state of New York, crisscrossing from Buffalo to Brooklyn? Do you know what he ordered on a silver tray? I'm, I'm coolest. Uh, Dubonnet and Oreo wow. cookies. Now, Dubonnet is like about the lowest budget drink you could order, right? Yeah. I and really yet, used to advertise that back in the 60s, too. That's right. 
And yet the world's richest man, Nelson Rockefeller at that time, forget Elon Musk, forget Bezos, uh, forget uh, his uh, great-grandfather, Rockefeller, uh, from East Cleveland. He used to order Dubonnet and Oreo cookies. Now, Curtis, was that like a, a, a vermouth or something like that, like a Gisano? Yeah, pretty much. But it was very, yeah, just... very cheap. Very cheap. Uh, yeah. Look, winos yeah. would drink that stuff in the Bowery, remember? If they were down yeah. and out, they'd say, I, you know, I'll drink Dubonnet, you know. It's, forget the uh, Wild Irish Rose. Forget uh, uh, Midnight Express. I'll just have some Dubonnet. Yeah. They probably lift the, uh, the paint off a floor. Exactly. But you stay on the line, Tommy. Uh, Telephone talent coordinator can make yourself useful. Uh, Tommy has won a Curtis Lee Booby Prize. I'm a little worried about Tommy, right? A heavy breathing. Now, I'm not a doctor. Hey, you know, well, come on. Doctor, oh, I got the best doctor. Everybody, oh, I got the best accountant. Where's your accountant? He's living in a homeless shelter. Oh, by the way, that's Eric Adams, uh, the mayor. The swagger man who has no plan, right? He can't seem to file his taxes, right? He always blames it on his account. Well, you know, the guy's, he's had some problems. He, where does he live, Eric? He lives in a homeless shelter. Hmm. Okay. You're the mayor of the city of New York, and you have an accountant who's in the homeless shelter who's doing your books. By the way, I hope he's not the budget director of the city of New York. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Yitz, let's go to Yitzhak. Yitz, Yitzhak from Muncie. Muncie! How's it going, Curtis? Oh, I, I, I raised the roof here, you know. I, I'm very, very upset, Yitz, you know, the anniversary of Crown Heights. 30 days, 30 nights, I was there for the Lubavitch. You remember, right? Was yes, Eric, I do. Was Eric Adams I, I, there? I, I, no. I, I, I remember I was in camp. When the riots started, and uh, they they were reluctant to tell us what was going on, and they were thinking about extending extending camp because of the riots, and uh, you know, thank God things quieted down. Yeah, but you know, I was uh, remember I would say Yanko Rosenbaum, the rabbinical student from Australia, got shanked by Limerick Nelson and his crew of thugs. Limerick Nelson walked yeah, out of Brooklyn I, I, Criminal I will, I will Court. Never, I will never forget what you did for. For Crown Heights, and uh, we're eternally grateful. Oh, well, yes, for, uh, you are, you are, but not the leaders there, Crown Heights. They sat me down. We had a meeting right before the election. You know, Eric uh, had his meeting. I had my meeting. They said to me, you're a righteous Gentile, Curtis, but we already made our deal. And you're, you're on the outside looking in. I said, what? Where was Eric Adams during the pogrom? Remember, Rabbi Shia Heck was on with Bob Grant and King of Talk Radio. He said, it's a pogrom! It's a pogrom! I was there. Where was Eric Adams? He was with Al Slim, Shady Sharpton, and Sonny Carson. Yes, you need to remind your people. Totally, totally. Uh, it's okay. I, I, I don't live in New York City now, but it, I totally would have voted for you, and I would have told anybody living there, of course, to vote for you. Yeah, I know, but they wouldn't listen to you. you got to be one of their mockers. Anyway, you just came from a bar mitzvah. Yeah, I just came from my nephew's bar mitzvah. Oh, well, yeah, you, you know. They shame, had really good music, by the way. Yeah, shame on you. You could have had Matt Blaze there as the DJ and Frank Morano singing Yiddish songs. You're not well, very thrilled at that. I'm telling you, Yitz, Frank Morano, he, because he's a degenerate gambler, he needs money by all means necessary 
That's his side action. He is the wedding singer. Now, you people are constantly having weddings. You have weddings on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You have weddings in the morning. You have weddings in the afternoon. You have weddings at night. Whenever you can book a hall. I'm telling you, we're booking the hall. We're going to employ Matt Blaze. Uh, this guy's a fugitive. I-, I wonder if maybe he's one of your peeps, you know, white-collar criminal, this guy. I think he was up there. I, I think he was uh, He was at Camp Fed there for cooking the books. But, you know, he seems to have straightened out. And, of course, Frank Morano. You don't mind if Frank Morano is the wedding singer, do you, Yitz? Um, no. Wow, you hesitated on that, Yitz. You, you hesitated on that, Yitz. But it, it's okay. It, it's okay. It's trying to be nice. Got to be crazy. I would choke on the gefilte fish if I had to listen to Frank Morano sing Yiddish songs and uh, Matt Blaze be a DJ. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Eddie in Babylon. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Eddie. Oh, what happened to Eddie? Oh. Did you flip the script there? Oh, so, Ken, you sabotaged me as the telephone talent coordinator. That's why we need Avery here. Avery, the brother from another planet, he knows how to lock down on calls. You see, Ken, he, he like, hello, yeah, I have a heartbeat, okay, I'm going to put you on hold. You know, and then he never bothers to check on the people. You know, Ken, you can't just assume they might have had a heart attack, you know. It might be in the ER, the ICU. You know, come on, Ed. Eddie, don't go to sleep on me. You... Hey, 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 I'm awake. Hey. God, please. I'm so pissed at you. You know what? I, I am I am pissed at you. Too. You know why? Because you haven't cloned yourself. We need more of you. You need to give John Cassatini the medal for having you on so much. My own father, a foxhole in World War II, would tell me that is sitting there, his neighbor's own, his, his brother's own poop is floating next to it. Fought for our country, which is what you're doing now, what you do every day on the radio. We need more of you out there yelling, screaming. And you know what? You're, you, this is what you do on the streets, but this is what you do mentally. This is what you give us mentally on the radio every day, every day. People got to hear it because they're sitting in their own home, nice and comfortable. They don't know what's going on in the streets. They don't know what's happening, my brother. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. I'm pissed at you for loving us the great way. No, no, no. no. <laughs> you, you couldn't be more hopelessly you know right about that. Thank you. Thank you, Eddie. I, 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 let me embellish on that. When you're a good talk radio show host, you're on the cusp of being insane. You know, these folks, I hear them, even here on WABC, the number one news talk station in the nation, they're all full of themselves, right? <laughs> Student loans! My golly! Where's the morality? These young whippersnappers, don't they know when they agree to pay back a loan, it's the rock bed institution of capitalism? And I listen to all that righteous indignation, and I said, hmm, I know you. You were on Wall Street in 2008. You were part of the hedge fund monsters. You were part of the big banks. Too big to fail, right? And then you created this nonsensical term. Oh, we passed quantitative easing, yes. We're too big to fail. Give us free money. Well, what about the little people on Main Street? No, they got to pay the VIC. Oh, 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 oh. No, we're too big to fail. 
But you nearly imploded the entire economy all over the world because of your greed, subprime mortgages. Oh, that was a minor blip. No, no, it wasn't a minor blip. It was like a nuclear explosion to our economy. Yeah, but you see, if if we fail, you fail. No, 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 it doesn't work like that. Capitalism says if you can't carry your own buckets of water, you die. That's capitalism. What you're talking about is corporate welfare, socialism. No, how dare you call me a socialist? You might as well have taken that line out of Karl Marx, Engels, Das Kapital. Oh, yeah, hear him all. God, you made a deal. To the day you die, you pay back that loan. Uh, excuse me, uh, how much do we owe as a nation? $30 trillion. Think we're going to be able to pay that back? Thank our generation, our children's generation, maybe our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, $30 trillion, and it grows every day. <sighs> well, Curtis, you don't understand higher economics. You're just a high school dropout. I know we owe $30 trillion, and it's on loan from Red China, the Saudis, Japan, enemy states. What happens if all of a sudden they call in the loan? Are we going to be able to pay it back? Of course we won't. What are you talking about? That's un-American. Yeah, yeah, I guess uh, that's right. PPP, you know, it's like uh, OPP, PPP, that's right. Hip-hop, hooray! Oh, the biggest rip-off maybe in the history of our economy. Oh, free money. Uh, I have a company. It's called F-U-K. It's called F-U-K-U. I have 40 employees with a budget of $10 million. I need my PPP money. Wow, they gave me money. I don't even have that company. It's it's a fugazi company. Doesn't matter. We got to keep employing these people. I hear them all day. This station, other stations. I, I see them on TV. Righteous indignation. My golly. This will break the back of our economy, the inflation. Oh, yeah, 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 $30 trillion in debt. It started with who? Let's see. Oh, that's right, Bush 43, with the silver spoon in his mouth big enough to offset the trade balance between the United States and China. Weapons of mass destruction, not. Barack Obama, oh, stimulus, that's right. We're going to build our infrastructure. Who's going to be the sheriff of all that money? Joe Biden. Mm, not. Uh, Donald Trump. Oh, not. Uh, Joe Biden. Not $30 trillion in debt. How are we going to pay that back? All of that money is on loan to us through treasury bonds owned by mostly foreign countries and other Americans. What happens if Americans decide, I'm cashing in my bonds? We're screwed. We're screwed. W-A-B-C. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's all in the hips. <laughs> it's all in the Work with me. It's all in the hips. Yeah. It's all in the hips. 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 Get off of me. It's all in the hips. He just needs an attention, baby. It's all in the hips. I'm on tonight, you know my voice don't lie. I'm a hips. 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 H
I am completely open. You know, I'm a nightlife mayor, and I like to test the product. Test the product. Hmm. I know for many of you who are not cognoscenti of nightlife, I certainly was many years ago, and I'm telling you, when I was hitting the clubs, and somebody said, test the product, it was usually the cocaine that was on the table. Um, so this is Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan. By the way, uh, after nine months, the New York Post, which uh, during the campaign was building a shrine to uh, Eric Adams. He was the deity. He could do no wrong. He was the new face of the Democratic Party. He was the law and order mayor. And Curtis Lee, you, you're just a person of no consequence. Uh, I was of no consequence, right? So uh, they put out the stats today, just a few hours ago. Crime has never been higher in the eight years of Bill de Blasio and the nine months of Eric Adams. Never been higher. Every category right across. And the New York Post finally has discovered what I was telling everybody years ago. That the New York's new private club craze is a cancer on the city. Their lead editorial, the New York new private club craze is a cancer on the city. How did they come to that conclusion? Well, they looked at the club's zero bond where the mayor hangs out and they say, you know, that's not a good place. Shouldn't be there. Oh. Whatever happens in Club Zero Bond stays at Club Zero Bond. You got to pay a lot of money to go to Club Zero Bond. You ain't going to see any brothers and sisters there. They're at the Sugar Shack in Bushwick and the Crab Shack in Bedside, do or die. But this is uh, the mayor's favorite haunt. An initiation fee is $4,000 plus annual dues of up to $4,000. Won't even guarantee entrance to two floors of plush lounges, private dining rooms. A restaurant, screening room, and a buddy booth. Whatever goes on in there, hmm. let's just hope they use a Jimmy Cap, right? Safe sex. That's Club Zero Bond. This is where our mayor goes. Lots of felons go there. But then again, he can hang out with felons, not police officers, because they lose their badge and their gun for that. Then they point out, this is the New York Post who adored Eric Adams and still does. Public offender number one is Casa Cipriani. The mammoth members only hotel, restaurant, and lounge atop the Battery Maritime Building downtown, right by Wall Street. Uh, do you know who has the number one table there? The chief of staff of Eric Adams, Frank Carone. I grew up in Canarsie, Marine Park. I know all these crooks, these Ghanifs. They have their beak in the trough. When you want to know Brooklyn, a.k.a. Crooklyn, you come to Curtis Sleewood. Why would he be doing city business in the number one worst public club, according to the New York Post, Casa Cipriani, right on Wall Street? 
you think maybe the New York Post is getting a little tired of the BS of Eric Adams and his chief of staff from Canarsie, Frank Carone? Nine months, nine months later, he's worse than de Blasio. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. But wait, I want to save him from himself. Recently, Eric Adams was in the South Bronx, and he had with him, like the three kings who visited the little baby Jesus in the manger. Remember, no room in the inn for you, Jesus, and Joseph, and Mary. And he was bearing gifts, five and a half million dollars, a check from us, the sucker taxpayers, to the hip-hop museum in the South Bronx. By the way, uh, Jay-Z, who's a billionaire, Puff Daddy, billionaire, they've never cut a check to the hip-hop museum. It's a 501c3. They'd be able to write that off on their taxes. What do they know that we don't know? You know damn well they know who's running that hip-hop museum. So as a result of giving our money to the hip-hop museum, they anointed him the first, the one and only, hip-hop mayor. Don't disconnect this moment. First time in New York City history, we have a hip-hop mayor. (laughs) (laughs) Dyslexic, arrested, rejected, now I'm elected. They don't know what they do, you sucker white crackers out there. Because you don't have any street smarts. You don't know what's going on in the city. And so you hear him give a speech and you sounds good to me. He's saying the right things. He's saying all the right things. What the hell is he doing? Nothing. City's never been dirtier. We've never had more crime in the last nine years than we have now. The morale of the police department is at a lower level than it even was with de Blasio. And what does Eric Adams do in order to counter the rumors from the hood? He says stupid stuff like this. I I would tell you I met a shorty there, but I can't say that on TV. (laughs) So the mayor of New York met a shorty. If any of you know the meaning of shorty, you know it's a beard. Oh, it's a beard. Hey, I'm close. I'm close. I'm telling you I'm close. (laughs) When I go to the sugar shack and the crab shack where the brothers and sisters are, they feel like, yo, man, what's up with this? It's like we're, yo, Eric, what happened? You abandoned us. Now you're with the McWhitey Whiteys. You like that white money, huh? You like being in the Hamptons, huh? What happened to us? Suckers. We've all been taken for a ride. But it's okay. We got enough time to recover. I ain't going nowhere. Well, I don't know. I got a lot of enemies out there. Could put me in a pine box real quick. But then again, I made it to 68, right? I ain't going nowhere. Let's go to Chris, who's calling all the way from Minnesota. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Chris. Hi, Curtis. Really good show. I appreciate some of your comments, especially about the 
the amount of debt we're in as a country. And I don't know, you think about New York and what's going on and some of the things you were just talking about. I think of Detroit. I used to know some people there. Oh, they weren't the greatest in the mayorhood, you know? No, no, no. Coleman Young, King Coleman Young, had me locked up 10 days in the Detroit House of uh, uh, Corrections. And, you know, they had me in the Jesse James cell. That's where Jesse James was kept years ago. And you know what? Oh, they, my gosh. And you know what they introduced me to, Chris? Tell me. They call it defecation education. Oh, my gosh. It came around with the buckets. They threw yeah. it at me in the cell because they knew I was going to fight. And then the CEO, the screw, would come around and say, oh, Mr. Slew, I see you had an accident. Oh, my. I don't think that there will be any clean linen until maybe tomorrow in the afternoon. So you'll have to wallow in the swill. Yeah. And you know what I said? Just like Bobby Sands said there in Long Cash. I said, go ahead. Go ahead. Give me some more defecation education. Bring it on. And they thought I was crazy, a crazy white boy. What do you think, Chris? I I, I think that that's what I would do, too. I mean, it's a horrible thing to go through. But what what I wanted to talk about was just to say that uh, in Minnesota here, we I have a few friends in New York who were voting for you, and I listened to the debates, and Everything that you did in the streets of New York and all the things you helped uh, bring law and order and do things where there was a gap, you know. I think you even tried to come to Minnesota with some of the, the guardian angels' work. Oh, yeah, it was ago. in uh, South Minneapolis, the American Indian Center. Yes. And uh, we had a tough time. But I want to ask you, as a proud resident of Minnesota, you mentioned yeah. the iron ore coming out of Duluth. How many times yeah. did I see in the belly of those ships in the lakes the iron ore of Duluth? Do you, do you recognize this song, Chris? Yes, I do. Do you know this great singer from Canada, Gordon Lightfoot, is now changing his last name because people are mistaking the fact that he is somehow related to Mayor Lightfoot in Chicago? Yes, yes, I, I heard that. And... It's uh, it's really a sad thing that it comes to that. But. I've been up to the locks in Duluth. Have you ever seen the locks in Duluth? Not the stuff that you put on the schmear of the bagel, the Philadelphia cream cheese, the actual. Oh, no, no, yeah, I've seen them. Absolutely. I, I go up to Duluth quite a bit. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, listening to those debates, i got to applaud. As much as you do to help people in the streets and Law and order, helping animals, and what you were trying to stand for. In principle, they're the innocent animals that are abused. And, oh, it's and horrible. No one to help them, and I, I just, I just thought. And and people were saying, "Wow, that shouldn't be brought up." Yes, it should. I think it's, it's. If we can't take care of our animals, how are we going to take care of each other? I just, oh, you know? The, you know, those were the words of Mahatma Gandhi, who said, "A society that does not take care of its people." will not take care of its animals. Look at how we treat homeless and emotionally disturbed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I but, but I just wanted to call and tell you I, I, I respect you a great deal. Chris, Chris, you brought me down memory lane in the company of my father, merchant seaman of 54 years, when he took me up to Duluth, iron ore country. Oh, yes. 
the locks were I work opening in up. The mines up there, so I I know a lot about it. Yeah, and then into the belly of the ships that would come through the lakes oh, yes. down the Mississippi River to the port of Orleans. And this oh, song, yeah. this song was synonymous with that Lake Superior. Yeah. Meantime. Yeah. Did you go to the museum, the Edmund Fitzgerald Museum? You ever get a chance? No. No. This was before there was the museum. This is when yeah, I was just a young, young, young little oh, whippersnapper. Yeah. My, fa- my father said, I sailed the Great Lakes. I sailed the Erie Canal, the Erie Canal, which was the gateway to the world through New York State. Yes. Yes, it is. And he was uh, he was actually on barges at the age of 15. He had to leave high school, Lane Tech in Chicago, in the middle of the Depression because he was the oldest son. He had to support the family. Down, down to the Port of Orleans. And then he had to... He had to take the banana boat run down to El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras. And then, right before World War II, he signed up with the Merchant Mariners. And then, oh, yeah. uh, oh man. But uh, my father, I miss him dearly. Miss him my, dearly. Oh, my father was a Navy chief. Luckily, he's still with us. He's almost 90 now, fought in the Korean War. So, probably, we're about the same age, I think. So, yes, yeah. that's for sure. A lot of stories. Oh, great stories, but... I will never forget Duluth. The locks. I know a lot of the out the cockies out there say, boy, he's eating a lot of bagels. Hey, what kind of bagels do they have up in Duluth? No, no, no. It's not that kind of locks that you put the schmear on with Philadelphia cream cheese or the Bialis. It's the locks that open up that allow the waters to come in so the ship is lifted to a different level. Like the Panama Canal, right? Did you learn about that in history? Oh, no, that's right. New generation, they have no idea. All the memories. By the way, uh, up next, Chris might as well have been applauding my wife, Nancy, who is the expert on animal welfare. It is the most listened to, the most called in uh, of the many hours that I do here at WABC and probably the most fulfilling. Because we help a lot of people all over this world with animal issues. And there's so many stories to discuss up next. And after we do our work for the animals, I come back again <laughs> and eat up Frank Morano's time till the break of dawn. Over the course of human history, there's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents... Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, the most listened to, the most requested, and the most called into of the many hours that I do here at WABC. And it has to do... With the ability of my wife, Nancy, as an animal rights expert and animal rescuer to convey to so many people 
exactly what to do when animals are in distress, whether they are domestic or whether they are out and about. Uh, and you heard that uh, that fine comment from Chris from Minnesota, who really looks forward to listening, uh, Nancy, as so many people do around the world, to the Animal Welfare Hour here at WABC. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, completely appreciating the fact that this idea of minimizing abuse against animals is really ridiculous because it's as important as any other abuse going on in society for all the obvious reasons. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, kudos to to Chris for recognizing that. And so many others, uh, they send emails, letters, text. uh, They've even dropped off um, uh, little packages here at WABC from time to time uh, related to animal welfare issues. Let's uh, first start with the uh, horse carriage uh, issue the horse that became famous all over the world, rider who had collapsed on his way back to the horse stalls in Hell's Kitchen after being out in 90-degree sweltering heat and humidity. We will never forget everyone saw him as he was passed out on the asphalt. I think most people who saw the video at first thought he might have died And then that uh, barbarian, that horse carriage uh, driver, and it turns out he actually was the owner of this horse, beating him, whipping him, screaming at him, get up, get up, get up. The crowd surrounding uh, Ian McGeever and saying, leave leave the horse alone, stop torturing the horse. Then the NYPD came uh, moments later and doused him with water and ice and slowly revolved rider. I saw there was a pole, and for the first time in my life, Going back to when Barry Gray was the number one mid-morning talk radio host in all of New York City. In fact, all of the country when radio was king. He was the one who championed uh, the fact that we needed to get rid of the horses and carriages and be replaced uh, by an electronic carriage. This goes way back to the 60s and 70s, but it wasn't at all popular. Now I see for the first time, uh, Nancy... There's a poll that says that 72% of New Yorkers want to change. They want to retire the horses uh, to a sanctuary, and they want New York City to do what other cities have done and have the electric carriages that the horse carriage drivers would end up using and making uh, a living from. Were you shocked at the results of that poll? No, um, uh, certainly not the... Uh, not the results of it, but I think it's great that there was actually uh, this format of a poll done, uh, because prior to that, maybe you just have uh, certain like individual organizations who are representing certain interests. So it's a little bit more difficult to tell, like, well, how much is the public on board? How much are the constituents on board with it? So this is a clear-cut thing. So, for example, if if uh, we lived in a city where you had a referendum initiative, then this would be an issue if it were brought to the table where, uh, you know, the horses would not be riding the carriages anymore, you know, throughout Central Park. So I think that was a, a quite a, a game changer there because it gives some, like, very legitimate feedback in terms of what is it that the public wants. So um, most of the time I think the politicians aren't, I'm very concerned about animal issues, 
uh, because they don't really think it affects them. Also, I don't think they have the lobbying interest. You know, I mean, so there's a lot of reasons why they're not going to get behind something. But when you have something like this, where it's, uh, you know, an issue that these politicians can sign on board with, knowing that it actually is going to most likely stand in line with what their constituency thinks, it's really a no-brainer. I mean, they really should be uh, signing on board with this and promoting it. And, you know, I mean, there's no loss to them and everything to gain for, you know, the animals and the people. Now, the horse carriage owners and the union that represents them, TWU Local 100, they're on the ropes. For the first time, they had a press conference this past week, and they said, we 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 get it. We understand. We're going to reform. Give us a chance to make it more humane for the horses. Would you at all, you and those that want to disband the horse carriage industry as it exists now, would you at all entertain any compromise along those lines? Yeah, no, I, I don't see any reason to do so. I mean, first of all, it makes no sense. The individuals who they're uh, supposedly representing is the drivers. Now, the drivers, I think, are in a better position to have the electric carriages. I don't think it should be their responsibility. I don't think they're equipped to, um, you know, physically care for these animals. I think there's a lot of reasons why it would be much like an easier transition to have them do this. So to say they're defending their workers makes no sense. Their, Their workers will continue to work it's just in a different vehicle as opposed to an animal. It's an electric vehicle. So there's no logic there. So, again, this, um, you know, the, the way that they're trying to hold on to this. And, and I think, you know, every time that they continue to speak, they really give away themselves in terms of what it is that they're not doing. So uh, right now they're claiming to be uh, championing the horses and their health and their well-being and one of the things that they're citing is having like a, a like a regular on-staff veterinarian and uh, you know consistent uh, visitation with them, which speaks to the fact that to date they have not had that. So again, it it really just undermines everything that they've made claims to so far, which is the humane care of these animals. Because what they're claiming that they want now is everything that they should have had above and beyond. And it's like, it's no, it's, it's too late for that. I think, as I said, the public has spoken. One final question. Uh, the, the horse in question, it turned out not to be 13, but closer to 28 and 30. Yeah, right there. And having so many medical issues that, my God, I, I read through the report of the vet, and you just wanted to cry what they were forcing this horse to do with the sickness that Ryder had. But... Uh, supposedly the horse carriage industry has sent him to a sanctuary. But why is it we're not told where it is? We're not shown any pictures. There's no documentary evidence. Uh, my biggest fear is that uh, they've sent Ryder to where they generally send the horses, which is either to a slaughterhouse or to a glue factory. I mean, and and that's the exact term, supposedly. It makes no sense that there would be no transparency on what had occurred with this horse. Now, um, you know, the official line from the union is, oh, we were concerned that people would know where the horse was and go and protest there, which, again, makes zero sense because why would they do that if the horse is getting the care that it needs or living out the life that it deserves? So 
that's a lot of, uh, you know, like a lot of uh, fake stuff that they're saying. But the point is, if they wanted to dispel any of these negative notions, it would be extremely easy for them to do so if they did relay that information, if there was some actual follow-up, if you did have some way of verifying that, oh, this horse went here and this is what's being done for it or this is a sanctuary. I mean, people who rescue uh, dogs and cats from the shelters and they have to be specific rescue organizations, you always find out after the fact on the um, animal sites, like the animal care and control site, oh, which rescue organization uh, rescued them. So there seems to be no problem with that information being available to the public. Why it's not available when it comes to horses is really the question mark, and I think speaks volumes for the fact that that's probably not the case at all. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. This is the Animal Welfare Hour of WABC. Whatever animal-related subject matters you may want to speak about, take an opportunity to do it right now. You've got uh, one of the best experts uh, on animal welfare issues, my wife, Nancy, who's also an animal rescuer. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Now I'm going to take you to Lakewood, New Jersey. Apparently there is a red fox who is actually, no, no, this is not, no, no, Matt Blaze, this is not Red Fox, the comedian. No, 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 a Red Fox, four-legged Red Fox, who has been accused of biting a number of children who were playing in playgrounds and in public areas. Can you explain more about this? Because some people are terrorized by this fact, and other people are saying it appears that it may be an over-exaggeration. So there's a... Uh, apparently a number of attacks, uh, bite attacks that have happened to young children in a very small area of New Jersey. I think Lakewood, New Jersey it is. And they're attributing it to like potentially just one uh, fox, so maybe one rabid fox. And they've been unable to determine like where the fox is or whether it is is a rabbit or not. And so apparently, you know, the, the, the young kids who were so, – but it happened within like a couple-day period that five or six kids were bitten by a fox. I mean, again, so this is obviously a very curious situation. Uh, you know, I would imagine people bringing their kids to a park or a playground. They're watching fairly closely enough to not allow a fox to come. But again, maybe it, it looked like a dog. Maybe it happened really quickly. But now all of a sudden the the county is on like high alert for whether or not there's an issue. And and again, obviously, if there's one rabid fox, they could account for the fact because it's such a short time period that this has happened. But, I mean, they actually had this one instance where two people were attacked, you know, supposedly uh, when they were walking through a park. And so this is an 8,000-acre park. And by virtue of these, uh, you know, two bites from a fox, supposedly, they shut down the entire park for three days. So, again, it seems like no matter what the the uh, ramifications that come from this sort of claim could lead to a lot of stuff. So I think they have to be very clear on what's going on here. Uh, if it's shutting down parks and they don't know if it's one versus five or six, I mean, you might have one 
I mean, they don't even know if it's a dog. At this point, there's no actual sightings. There's no pictures. And I'm not sure, like, what the verification is that it's a fox. But that's the story. We've seen this before, though, with coyotes or individual uh, animals that look like coyotes, but might have been dogs. Saddle River, they were in lockdown for, like, 10 days. Yonkers, uh, up near the golf course, uh, they actually had SWAT teams out to try to take all out the coyote. You went looking for the coyote that was seen in Central Park, and a lot of people were saying, how the hell did a coyote get into Central Park? We well, can understand Riverside Park. You know, they come down from Westchester there, but Central Park. And is it a question that you think that people think it's a coyote and it's really just a wild dog or a dog that's a stray that might be rabbit? What's... What do you think, having been out there for so many years, uh, having heard all of these stories? Well, I certainly think there's a, a lot of fear that comes from the unknown. So if, you know, and again, if you're not, a, I mean, if you live in any sort of a, an urban environment, I think it's very rare for you to see anything other than someone walking a dog. So it might be a little bit of a misidentification. But again, the idea of the bite, right? So... Now, it, it, it seems like the majority of these people in this uh, two-day time span were children, right? So there's actual bites. But again, it's hard to tell because it's so light on the information in terms of, like, I, I mean, again, I would think, oh, if a parent sees, a, you know, an animal, a wild animal is sniffing around their child, like, the bite would have not happened in the first place. So if you're relying on maybe a child story, maybe they're just, who knows what they're describing it as, so... And then they, they did um, apparently find one, um, one uh, so let's see, one dead animal, one dead fox in the park. And then they tested that, and it did test positive for rabies. But then they said, well, we don't believe it's the one that was attacking people previously. But, again, how would you know, right? It's, it's just very light on information. So I think, you know, the problem with stories like this, which – there's not a thorough investigation is it could lead to a lot of fear, fright, and hysteria, as you say, and people just getting a little bit too nervous. Because again, I mean, there's a lot of these animals that are not typically associated with, you know, urban living, but as time goes on, I mean, they're really more part and parcel of urban life, you know, unfortunately, just because our environments are clashing. So, you know, I, I think you don't want to stir the the pot when it comes to making people afraid of these animals if it, you, you're you not really even sure what's going on yet. And I, I think that might be the case here. Well, I remember the sighting of the coyote in Central Park. You had me out there in the middle of the morning. <laughs> you had your flashlight. You were looking at footprints in the soil, and I was saying, hey, how do you know that? It might be a dog's footprint. And you seem to have been locked into the coyote's footprints. We went through the rambles. We went up into the northern part. Uh, we were using the moonlight to actually scope out the coyotes. You were making coyote sounds that I had never heard before. And you you, you were pretty sure that you could find the coyote. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I wasn't able to, to do so, but I, I did want to because I feel fairly confident that, you know, if uh, the, the the officials get their hands on, on any of these uh, wild animals, so to speak, that their fate is not going to end so well.
Now, this uh, fearless nature of yours when it comes to these wild animals, this resulted from where you grew up in Bohemia, correct? You were out in the fields there. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, let's see. Fields, well, I, I was maybe one block from uh, the Connecticut State Park. So not quite fields, but but I, we did have a neighbor that raised um, – uh, you know, different like I guess what would be like considered farm animals. Um, every morning when the, the the sun came out, the roosters were crowing, and you know they had uh, chickens laying eggs, and they had. I mean, so yeah, so it was a bit rural out where I was in Bohemia. Well, they have a brand new story out. You're going to have to track this one. Uh, that instead of the bodega cat, it's a fixture in New York City that prevents the mice, the rats, the rodents, that some bodega owners now have roosters in the bodega. You're going to have to track this story down for us. Yeah, I mean, aside from uh, being aware of the fact that maybe there might be some betting on rooster fighting, this is definitely a first for me. Um, I'm not aware of I, – I, I'm not even sure what their uh, skill capability is in terms of keeping uh, rodents and insects at bay. So something tells me it might be uh, some of the, the, the bedding roosters coming from uh, the, the under the basement of the, the area and just getting out during the daylight. Well, I'm not sure. I and the Guardian Angels years ago in the age of crack, we broke up a lot of the uh, cockfighting rings that were down on 138th Street and Brook Avenue. People would pour into the basements and these poor animals uh, were turned against one another. Uh, their talons had razor blades on it. They would shred each other. Massive amounts of money would be bet. Uh, the city at that time said, well, it's cultural. You know, it's cultural, depending on uh, what countries they came from. And we just took it upon ourselves to close them down, close them down. Unfortunately, some of the uh, fighting roosters, the fighting cocks, as they're called, had to be euthanized because... They were so damaged. They were so tortured. They were just so depleted uh, of any blood. They basically just bled out. Yeah, I mean, I, I can agree with the concept of uh, cultural when it comes to maybe pet ownership. But I don't think you can carry that over to abuses of animals in this country because as far as I'm concerned, I don't think we at all are supposed to stand for abuse against animals. So, yeah, I don't. I think that's where you have to draw the line with uh, respect for different cultural differences. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. It's the Animal Welfare Edition here at WABC. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. And then uh, there was this. Um, I'll call it street theater, put on by a vegan activist who had joined Tash Peterson and the Peter Group for an animal rights protest, it took on a very unique look that I think attracted people who normally they would hear Peter and they wouldn't even pay any attention to it. But it was a very novel way of making their point. Could you describe what had taken place in the streets as part of this street theater? Yeah, so these uh, uh, three women activists, they had uh, placed themselves into uh, something that looked like um, if, if you went to a supermarket and you were buying a piece of meat, like, you know, it's, it's wrapped up with the plastic. and you, So their bodies were in there, 
and they were trying to relay the message that, you know, it, it's all the same, right? Like when any living creature is is killed, so it, it could be a person, it could be an animal. And, you know, so that was the point they were making. And again, I, I think when it comes to any form of uh, civil disobedience, obviously, which is what this is, you know, you, you have to make your point really strongly. I mean, there was nothing... Uh, aggressive about what they did. It was just, you know, very artistic. But what's interesting is the responses that came in against it about, oh, it's vile and it was unhinged. Now, all they were doing was showcasing exactly what it would be if you were one of these animals and you wound up in that same sort of, uh, you know, food situation. So, I, I think it, it's just it shows that funny disconnect that you know most people who maybe are you know they don't think about it like I understand right because it's it's hard to visualize it but they're trying to create that image of you know what you get when you go to uh, you know a restaurant or you buy in the food like you know you're disconnected from what's going on but you want to bring home to people the fact of what's happening and it's very hard to explain in in words and people aren't going to have uh, you know, a lot of time to listen to your explanation anyway. So when you're doing these artistic expressions, I think, you know, you really want to bring it home. And I think they did a great job of it. But I did find it very interesting that the response was that they're, they were vile in what they did, as opposed to the industry itself is vile. So, I mean, it just it speaks volumes about <laughs> what people think about animals versus people, you know, the different priorities they give. Well, let's go to the phones. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. This is the Animal Welfare Edition here at WABC. First in the queue is Michelle in Pennsylvania. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Michelle. Hi, Curtis. Hi, Nancy. I'm really glad I got through. All right. I live in a community, Hemlock Farms, up in Lawrence Valley, Pennsylvania. And uh, two years ago, or 2019, our community, without advising members, put together a call for feral cats. We know that it was oh. 52. We know that it was 52 cats in total because someone went back and looked at it. Um, major issue is that, it's, it, from what I've read of it, a vet was supposed to be the one who put them down. We now believe that whoever caught them just killed them. Another major issue is that a lot of us have cats that we let out. I mean, I live in the woods. People's personal cats went missing. That was in 2019. It was a major issue here. Now, we, now the, the community just notified, they talked about it in the last meeting over the weekend, um, that they want to do it again. And everyone's screaming for TNR. I mean, we're all familiar with it. I have friends who have cats with the V in the ear, and they're refusing. I just want to know, what is your best advice? for me to bring to my community members who are against this as much as I am? I mean, I, I think you definitely have to uh, have as many people as are uh, really uh, vested in this cause constantly in the ear of these, uh, you know, uh, local decision makers. Whoever's making these decisions, you have to just be very strong in the numbers because, it, it, I, it, again, in my opinion, a lot of these animal issues they fly under the radar, and Which it doesn't they become. Did last time. 
Right. Yeah, and it doesn't become anything until it's it's annoying to them. So, I mean, it doesn't matter that they're not going to do it for the right reason. They'll do it because it's it's annoying to them. And and uh, to your point, right, with the TNR. Now, TNR makes sense. So this idea of uh, culling animals and, you know, getting rid makes no sense whatsoever because they reproduce at such high rates that you'll be doing that indefinitely forever. And clearly that's not a humane approach in, in any way, but it never addresses a problem, and that's the point. And then the additional thing, like you're saying, if you live in an area where people have, you know, cats where maybe you have them outdoors as well, I mean, obviously now it becomes an issue. Now your cats maybe are at threat of being outdoors. So, I mean, there's a lot of issues going on here, and if you have people who had missing cats, and then there's no way to verify, like, you know, what happened to their cats or you right. know, who were the cats that they got. So I, I think whatever they did – and then, again, like, there's just – it doesn't make any sense. So no matter what, culling is never a, a, an option that makes any sense because if they're fixed, they don't procreate, and then eventually, you know, they're cared for – like, they're cared for in some, like, element – and then uh, that's how the population ultimately gets down to zero. It never is going to work if you do it the other way around. So, yeah, if you already had the bad situation, I would say just keep the pressure on. Every time these people who are the decision makers are, you know, moving or doing anything or, or you have these people go to the offices, anything that just makes their life difficult, I think, is really the way you have to go with these issues. Well, you know, our owner-operators, Nancy, as you know, John and Margot Katsimatidis, big animal lovers, big cat lovers, and they sent to us pictures of their uh, son, John Jr., and his girlfriend, who were in one of the islands uh, off Greece. They were there for their vacation. And uh, his girlfriend was feeding the feral cats. They sent us pictures. That, and there are feral cats all over the world. They're in uh, Turkey. They're in Greece. They're everywhere. Wherever there's a country, wherever there is any uh, any kind of uh, humanity or any kind of animal, there, there's always cats. Uh, and so would you advise uh, that people, uh, if they see feral cats, uh, uh, what should they do? Because the natural inclination is to want to feed them. Oh, well, uh, yeah. So, again, right, I mean, if you're maybe in passing and you see them, and they look hungry. Like again, like I can understand. Like yeah, you you maybe just want to feed them. I, I would say uh, the bigger thing is if you're uh, in an area, you live in an area all the time, and you see a consistent uh, area of of animals. Like you know, again, a, a, like cats in our area. Obviously, certain countries, dogs are are running around feral the same way. Uh, you know, you have to just identify the area, and once you do that. Now, uh, you know, th there's lots of ways that you can address these issues where, you know, you can become, for instance, like in New York City, you can be TNR certified, which means that uh, you take the course and it, it educates you about uh, what outdoor cats are about, how they live their life outdoors. Because, again, the idea is that there are a lot of animals who live outdoors. They're not going to be brought to a shelter they're not going to be adopted because, again, they might be too, you know, they've been living outdoors too long, so it doesn't make sense, or there's just no place for them to go. So the point is you have to address this issue, and the best way to address it is make, making sure that the population doesn't continue to increase. And also once you have, um, you know, these animals where 
they are being uh, spayed and neutered, they're also before a uh, veterinarian where they can be, uh, you know, looked into to, to make sure that they have their shots, to make sure that they don't have any illnesses and can be helped otherwise. So it, it's really all about recognizing the fact that they live out there. The goal is to make sure they don't keep creating brand new little puppies and kittens and you know, whatever else. I mean, all, all these different animals that the governments across the world drop the ball on taking care of. And when they realize there's too many, their solution is to cull them. That's never a solution. It's not going to work. And you have to be, you know, realistic about how you approach a population issue. Our number is 1-800-848-WABC. It's the Animal Welfare Hour. A number of callers on the line, a number of other animal-related stories we want to get to. So there's no need to go anywhere else because afterwards um, I'll be coming back uh, replacing Frank Morano from 1 to 5 in the morning, the other side of midnight. And my job is to take you once again to the break of dawn. WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Let's continue, Nancy, with the calls. It's Carol in New York City. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Carol. Oh, thanks, uh, Nancy. I have three questions. Number one, why are carriage horses out in hot weather when there's a law against it? Secondly, why wasn't the driver-owner prosecuted for animal abuse? And, uh, Curtis, I sort of uh, tend to believe that the horse was... uh, put down or sent to uh, a glue factory. They could take a picture of him without giving any information where he's located. No, I I concur with you. I I truly believe they took Ryder, the horse in question, and uh, he's not available for photos, videos, interviews, because they've taken his life. He either went to a uh, slaughterhouse or went to a glue factory. Shame on them. Shame on They should report the documentary evidence to say that he is, in fact, in a sanctuary. But, Nancy, if you could address Carol's first two questions. Um, Okay, yeah, so, well, first of all, yeah, if you wanted to undermine that theory, of course, like you said, you can make sure that you uh, post the pictures of them. Now, in terms of the the temperatures that they're supposedly not supposed to be operating in, I I think it just comes down to a a normal issue of uh, administration of these rules. So even though it is the case that they're not supposed to be, and then it's maybe a fine line, oh, it's the temperature, it's humidity, but I don't know if I've ever heard a single story personally where – uh, the, any of the authorities have come down to where the horse carriages are, you know, congregating and said, oh, it's too hot. They need to go back inside. I've never heard of that. So I, I think it just it doesn't exist. I, I think it's just it's really the enforcement. It's great to have this law, but I don't think there's any enforcement on it. Um and I, I'm sorry, my apologies for the second question. That would be the DEA. I know that a number of the animal rights activists uh, pressed it with DEA Alvin Bragg. He said he's going to investigate it. Uh, what is the likelihood that there will okay, be well, a, okay, any yeah, kind so, of prosecution? Well, there you go. So, so there's the likelihood. I would say is 
probably nil because, I mean, again, like if you equate it to a person, if someone had a child that was, um, you know, uh, maybe potentially being abused by a parent, you know, there are steps that get taken where, you know, the, the child might be taken out of possession. I mean, here with a clear-cut instance of an animal being abused by its owner, which, you know, I think is like the equivalent, and they're willingly giving it back to the abuser. So I think the odds of charges being brought up are non-existent. Because um, in, any, in any normal sense, that, that doesn't, you know, it doesn't fly with reality. Like, you shouldn't be giving an animal back to an abuser. And then also after that, this isn't like any horse that just faded off into the sunset. This is a horse that was specifically called out because of the abuse that was going on and then all of the information that came out after the fact. And even still, with those additional details, we're still not able to figure out where this horse went. And they're not pressing them to find out where this horse went. So I would say, yeah, this person's never going to be brought up on charges. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. The Animal uh, Welfare Edition of the of WABC continues. Let's go to Robert in Suffolk County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Robert. Good evening, Curtis and Nancy, and thank you for taking my call. I have a comment about the caller three weeks ago, a woman, and a related good news story. The woman had complained about feeding cats that are outside, whether they're feral or abandoned, and then reproducing. Well, it's not such a simple thing because sometimes it takes time and effort to trap, neuter, and return or get them to a shelter or keep them yourself. So it took me six and a half years to get this abandoned, unneutered male cat. Oh, my gosh. Fired over a at least. And I trapped him last night. And the only reason is because I got lucky. My timing, I put the trap out about an hour before he came hungry. And he finally walked in and got trapped. That's so the longest I, time to frame I've ever heard before, six and a half years. <laughs> yeah, well, if I didn't continue to feed these cats outside, yeah, that one day me <laughs> or another person who rescues for trap, neuter, release, return, or to get them to a no-kill shelter or keep them, like me sometimes, we would never get them, and they would keep reproducing. Question, Robert, uh, what is uh, happening with the cat uh, now that you've trapped him? Okay, I'm working with a professional trapper who trapped, neutered, and returned 73 cats last year. And this is one of three that she missed. <laughs> So I got him, and I got another one, too. And there's one more to go. I had him, but he escaped the, out of the trap the day I was taking him to be neutered. I'm trying to get him again. Well, good luck out there, Robert. Uh, you got two. Uh, you're creating a situation out there where they're not going to be procreating and adding to more feral cats. And one more to go. Hopefully, Robert will keep us um, abreast.
of his uh, successes out in Suffolk County. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike in Queens. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC. Mike. Yes. First, could I give a shout-out to uh, Dr. Lederman? My sister had, with God's help, she had stage 4 breast cancer. He killed it. No, great. Uh, look, I've uh, been at Dr. Lederman's many times. Yeah, I I've talked to the patients. Uh, I myself am a cancer he's a, he's survivor. That's yep. why I used him. Yep. Good. Good. That's good news. Uh, and One other thing. I, I'm sorry, guy. Have you conveyed that to Dr. Lederman? No, I haven't. That's why I'm conveying it to you. I oh. know you know him personally. Yeah, but I'll make sure. Him. I'll make sure that we take uh, what you're saying here and we actually send it to him in uh, audio form. Uh, this way, he can hear it from you directly. Okay, Mike. Yes. One other thing. I also know Stevie. I also know George. You know Stevie Baldwin. If you know what I mean. Oh, sure. Sure. Oh, you do know what I'm talking about. Yeah, okay. no, I've known yeah, uh, St- Stevie for a long time. Right, but he knows George, and uh, you you know George, if you know him. I don't want to mention his last name, George. But you know George, right? Uh, of course, of course. Everybody knows okay, George. Everybody knows George. Okay. Everybody knows George. You know George, right, Nancy? Everybody knows George. Exactly. Was he talking about George Hamilton? Boy, that guy uh, never used the man tan. He always used, he was like Sid Rosenberg. You know, he always had to go to the tanning salon. George Hamilton, right? Oh, man, that guy, he like he never ate. What happened to George Hamilton? He's still alive, I think. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Suzanne in Washington Heights. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Suzanne. Nancy Sliwa, your husband thinks I'm a, a hulking transsexual in a movie. <laughs> that always works. <laughs> she got it wrong. And I love animals. I, love, I have a cat named Brian. I've always had a cat. But I had an idea. This is, and I don't expect you to know what to do any more than me, but maybe some brainiac from MIT will be listening. I think the hour of the Stepford horse has come. If they can do it with women, they can have, like, these fake android horses who can give off horse spells. Nobody's being tortured and being driven. To, you know, that's a thing in the future, but I just wanted to put that out there in the universe. Those poor roosters. Actually, that, that makes a lot of sense because they actually have um, different uh, medical universities and uh, veterinarian yeah. universities where they're not even using cadavers anymore. They're using, uh, you know, like almost like prosthetic, yeah. Oh, God, I'm going to give my body to science, all the cellulite. Now, it'll be horrifying, <laughs> but that's a good idea. So maybe they could do that, really, then. they have those. Yeah, be, yeah because, again, like, then, then it takes out of the equation this need to have this industry, because the, if the point is you're just trying to educate people on it, well, if you can also take out of the equation torturing these animals, I think yeah. that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, so maybe some brainiac will hear this. And I'm glad you do this work. This is very good of you, you know, because animals, they get, they, it's t- I love them so much. I like them better than people, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fact, uh, Suzanne, when we've been up to Washington Heights because we have our training center for the Guardian Angels there, I uh, took uh, Nancy on a tour of the Heights and uh, the importance of having cats, whether they're domestic cats or feral cats, is really of such incredible importance there, whether they're bodega cats, whether they're cats in tenements or, or just uh, cats who are feral cats who live outside. 
Remember when I was walking you around on Broadway and the vendors, they had uh, card tables out? Remember what they were selling more than any other product? It, it totally blew my mind because all you saw on the tables was rat poison. That's it. And when you when you go into these tenements, Suzanne, you see that there's rat poison everywhere, and the rats have become immune to it, just like humans become immune to pharmaceutical products, uh, to prescriptions, and they're like super rats now. And, and talk about a, a perfect matching of need in, in this situation. You're already identifying. People are saying, oh, we have a lot of rats here. And this is the same area where maybe people are calling, uh, you know, the shelters to come pick up the cats. This is the exact type of places where when they have these, like, sort of a overrun vermin, okay, you want to educate people about what TNR is about, what colony cats are about, the advantage of taking care of them because they keep all these, uh, you know, sort of insects and rats and mice and whatever, like, at bay. This is exactly the perfect matching that should be happening and when, you know, all the people I've met along the way who do this, they do it because they're so passionate about it. I mean, you have such a huge community of people who are already doing this because they see the benefits of it, in addition to just loving, you know, animals. So if you, you know, if the government, like, as much funds as they try to distribute to assisting these causes, all these rat academies, oh, let's, you know, put down poisons, let's do this. They should be tapping into the community who's already doing it on their own time and their own dime because they actually have it right. Like, the government doesn't need to get involved. Just recognize the people doing it who are doing it successfully. Do appreciate that, Suzanne. Uh, our number is 1-800-848-9222. Now, uh, the next story has to deal with the inflation that everybody is struggling with now, whether it's gasoline whether it's any energy products, whether it's groceries, whether it's apparel, whatever it might be. But apparently inflation means that there are less pet toys. Uh, Nancy, can you explain that? Yeah, so apparently the uh, uh, animal products that have been purchased over the last uh, few years are showing that there's uh, a downturn in any sort of product that is considered not essential to animal welfare. So the toys and the treats are at the top of the list. So it seems like based on the inflationary sort of uh, constraints people are feeling, they're less inclined to get their their uh, pets, any sort of uh, extra special things or toys to play with, and just going for the basics. So... Yeah, that, that's a – I mean, now, in our household with the cats, I know that there's, like, two or three of them that 100%, like, they are super fixated on treats. Like, I can't see how they can go without them. So, I mean, and especially toys, too. I mean, that's a tough thing as well because, you know, toys, like, it's kind of sad to think that toys are being deprived of pets at home because – uh, you know, that's one of the things they get to do and then, you know, gets their energy out and keeps them, you know, sort of focused. So, I mean, it, it's sad to hear that that's what's happening. But, you know, if that's a, an inflationary sort of a problem, I think that maybe this is a great place for uh, people who are pet owners to get a little bit of a stipend to make sure that their pets are 
entertained, you know, mentally and, you know, physically. Now, question, uh, has this affected the supply of catnip, which uh, uh, so many cats just go kookalamunga over? First off, explain what catnip is. Secondly, why do cats seem to just lose their minds over it? And how often should a cat owner or even for feral cats expose them to catnip? Uh, Well, yeah, so catnip is actually something that grows naturally. And if cats are living outdoors, they might uh, come across it every now and again. And it's something that's uh, very, like, uh, charging to their systems. So when they're in close proximity to it, and actually their reaction is pretty extreme over the top. It's not just playfulness. It's, um, you know, like possessiveness, and they get really, uh, you know, fast. And, and again, they really go a little bit over the top crazy, which is why I limit, uh, you know, like almost never uh, give any of the cats anything cat. Like periodically I'll get a toy where it's uh, like a little soft toy and maybe it has something there. But I actually make a point of not bringing it here because the way their personality just alters when they're around it, it's just a little too a little too extreme. Like they're not even the same cat anymore. They're aggressive. They're possessive. If, if any other cat comes near them, they're like ready to attack. Like I think it just... I mean, I'm not sure what the benefits are, but I know the the negatives, and uh, I'm, I really don't want to deal with that. Could they conceivably a cat, domestic cat, indoor cat, or a feral cat become addicted to catnip? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I would think, well, hmm, let me say. You know what? Actually, that's a good question. I, I, I mean, unless you unless you are giving it to them periodically, I, I don't think they're, they're going to, but... I mean, no matter how much time uh, goes in between their exposure to it, like our cats, in my experience, their reaction is the same. So it's not even an addiction thing. It's just every time they're in close proximity to it, this is their reaction. So I would say, I mean, for me personally, I think it's best to keep it at bay. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of ancillary things that uh, you don't want to have your cat experience, like, it's probably like uh, increasing the heart rate. Like I'm sure there's a lot of other negative stuff because just based on their personality changes, I can't imagine physiologically that's going to be good for the cat internally. Does it also have the same impact on outdoor cats, feral cats? It, well, I mean, in my experience, I mean, again, uh, not as well. Hmm, actually, yeah, I would say I would say they definitely have a reaction to it because. I have uh, brought some of those toys sometimes to the outdoor cats, and they seem intrigued by it. Like, I'm not sure if it's the same level as the indoor cats, but that could just be explained away by the fact that it's like, you know, they're accustomed to being outdoors. And But, I mean, they definitely have a reaction, and they're definitely drawn to it. So I'd say no matter how you slice it, they are attracted. Every cat's attracted to the, the catnip. Now, a week ago, on the other side of midnight of Frank Morano on Monday morning, he just completely lost it. Uh, he allied himself with General Chuck Schumer in the war on lanternflies. I see that in Riverside Park along the West Side Drive, 
they're putting out boxes. Uh, what exactly does the box do, and is this uh, an attempt to destroy the lanternflies? Okay, so yes, it is an attempt to destroy the lanternflies, and it's even more disturbing than that because this was actually a tutorial, a community event <laughs> that was put on social media for people to come out and learn how to kill the lanternflies, which I think is totally preposterous that this is happening. And I read the little uh, it, you know, public invitation for it, and obviously very, um, you know, small information, very one-sided information about what's going on, but absolutely making them seem like, you know, public enemy number one. And, hey, kids, come down and learn how to kill the lanternfly. Like, I mean, I just think that concept is even pretty crazy, too, given that they don't have any actual, you know, <laughs> impetus to, like, sort of back this up. But I think what's happening with the lanternfly is, it's the only crops that it seems to, or the only plants um, that it seems to attach to. Like they're sort of hanging their hat on the fact that this is like a quote-unquote invasive species. Now, if you really want to delve into it further, you'd really have to figure out, well, what's accounting for the fact that you know they are invasive at this point because you know there's something going on in the overall ecosystem. But as usually happens with any sort of animal, insect, you know, issue, you know, it's very, um, uh, you know, they just like knee-jerk reaction. Well, They're not looking at the bigger picture. So I think with this, it was crazy that they're inviting kids to come down and create like little, like, you know, uh, killing quarters for these insects. Well, it's exactly what Frank has done with little Carmine. He's turned them into a lanternfly killer. And in one to five this morning, the other side of midnight, I'm going to address the fact that Frank Morano was uh, promoting lanternfly genocide all across the nation uh, to people listening on the app, the stream, uh, up in Canada, 38 states, a sliver of Europe, and right on down to Davy Jones's locker between Bermuda and Bahamas, where the 50,000 powerful watts of sound of WABC can be heard. WABC. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Nancy, uh, Dominic Carter, our colleague, warming up in the bullpen, but is still grieving, still sitting shiver for his beloved Beyonce. Boy, it really has affected his personality, the loss of his uh, dog there. Yeah, it's it's um obviously it's it's always extremely difficult and I personally feel like the best way to overcome that is to really pour all that love into another animal in need. Well, uh, I'll have that conversation with Dominic and I know you will too. Uh, last story though. Interesting. Okay. I don't know if this is animal abuse or just uh, very dexterous training of an animal. The animal becomes the fair invader for the human. Could you describe what was happening? Oh, yeah. So uh, apparently a dog owner has uh, educated its its dog to slip under the turnstile and then open up the emergency gate so that its owner can get in. So basically uh, helping its owner to be a fair invader. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it's actually kind of cute. And... 
uh, hmm. I mean, not, not not really sure what to say about that that whole situation. I, I found it somewhat humorous, um, you know, because anyone who's going to fervade is going to do it anyway. But I thought it was a very curious and cute way to do it. Well, I got to tell you, the dog might open the emergency exit, and then like thirty, forty, fifty people will bum rush their way through because. Uh, there are so many stations. Nobody pays a fare. They just say it's the Irish sweepstakes. They so go under the turnstile, over the turnstile, through the emergency gate. Having the animal assist them, I can just imagine if uh, on the rare occasion they get stopped by a police officer who wants to write them up to say, hey, write up the dog here. The dog did it. We just followed. And in order to make their quota, a cop might do it. Again, if anybody would like to stay in touch with you, Nancy, on animal animal welfare issues, how can they contact you? Uh, GuardianAngels.org or Nancy at GuardianAngels.org email. And when you go to GuardianAngels.org, it gives you a chance to see everything that Nancy and other volunteers and the Guardian Angels do in defense of animals, the Guardian Angel Animal Protection Division. Up next... It's Dominic Carter, and then I'm back as Frank Morano is shooting craps at the bodega.